585 days, 61 episodes of Avatar The Last Airbender, 52 episodes of The Legend of Korra, 46 podcasts, 4 graphic novels, and one horrible, horrible movie. That's what it's taken to get us here tonight. Welcome everyone to the Avatar Returns Rap Party. Hello, benders and non-benders, Kyoshi warriors and red lotus, turtle ducks and badger moles. Welcome to the Avatar Returns. I'm your host, Paul Smith of the Gobbly Geek Podcast, and joining me, as always, are very sad Eric Sipple, completely devastated Arlo Wiley. Oh, my two favorite, my my favorite Sipple and Wiley combination. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, for the past year and a half, Eric and I have been rediscovering and re-examining all the reasons that we originally fell in love with the world of Avatar The Last Airbender and The Legend of Korra, um, deepening our understanding for each and discussing how they combine to make something greater than the sum of their parts. Meanwhile, Arlo has been uh, falling in love for the first time. Now, no longer the noob, at last... He is now a seasoned Avatar fan, ready to plan his own return visit to the world and rediscover and re-examine his own understanding of two of the most powerful, engrossing, thrilling, and at times, dare we say, subversive animated series ever to air on American television. So, what do we do now, guys? Well, uh, welcome back, you two. Yeah, wow, we're here for the final time. This is nuts. You said uh, a second ago, 585 days. It is as of the date of this recording, it has been exactly 585 days since our first episode. Whew. Wow, that's uh, that's a lot. That's a lot. Yep. We're, uh, we're finally here. It's, it's taken us 585 days to do 46 podcasts. We are pros. <laughs> We, it, Paul, yes. Paul, it's quality, not oh, quantity. Oh, well, I don't, I don't know. So last night I re, so, I re-listened to our first episode last night. How, oh, yeah. how awkward was it? That it, I'm, <laughs> it was, I mean, it's not the, it was not the most awkward first podcast I've ever been involved with. So um, I was surprised at how close to, you know, what sort of became our format we, we got with that first one. Um, it was a different age because back then, Arlo, you were still AJ. Wow, that's right. You had not a yet. Lot of sh- you had not yet blossomed into the full Wiley. A lot it, of stuff has happened over the course of this podcast, you guys. You, you, I, didn't, I didn't think about that, but it really has been like a rather um, a rather notable period, like like year and a half, I think, yeah. for on all kinds of levels, and I think that's maybe. Maybe driving a little bit of this sadness beyond just how I, how happy I've been with it, but you know, like it, it it feels like this has been hand in hand with a lot of life journeys. So yeah, it really has. I mean, as we record, I am uh, I'm about to spend my final night at the place I've been staying. So and I move, I literally move tomorrow uh, into the the next chapter of my life. So this, yeah. 
You, this you, uh, you, podcast has been monumental. You literally are crawling out of your hole. I, I literally am. I will, you know, it, it's kind of funny. Right after we record the final episode of this podcast, I will no longer be in a basement. So I feel, I feel like this podcast is responsible for that. I feel like this podcast has been your coming of age and you were ready to, to uh, emerge from your chrysalis. I completely agree. Without this podcast, who knows where I would be. You have spent 585 days and 46 episodes of this podcast as the boy in the iceberg. That is very true. And tomorrow I emerge the Avatar. A 12-year-old comedy fan. (laughs) (laughs) I'm I'm really glad that our own personal Bolin thinks that he's the Avatar. Adorable. (laughs) <laughs> Your own person. Oh, I did that. Uh, yeah, you've already. Ago. We've already played yeah. that game. All right. So. Hey, hey, it's the rap party. We get to we get to revisit our greatest hits. It's okay. That's true. That's right. That's true. Uh, since it's a rap party, I don't know what you guys are doing, but I am finally drinking. I am going to be consuming beverages. So here, live on the air or recorded, if you're listening to this at home, pop the top on this beverage. Nice. Now, let's see. This is the first time. What pray tell are you drinking? I am drinking uh, Coney Island hard root beer, which I've never had before. So, that sounds, Those are good. I've had one. I, I like it a lot. I'm uh, I'm glad to be. I'm in Austin. I'm actually broadcasting, which there's been a couple episodes of me in Austin. Um, and I'm drinking one of my favorite wines, which I only can easily get in Austin. So I'm um, very happy. All right. And I have no alcohol in the house, so I am drinking water. That is, I am, that I is court ordered, by the way. For water those... down my gullet. Okay, there you go. The no alcohol in the house is court ordered for anybody who is wondering. It's Arlo, true. Arlo cannot uh, broadcast within 500 yards of a, a bottle of alcohol. Were you about to say a playground? No, I, I was going to say the bottle of alcohol. Okay. All right. <sighs> okay. So, um, yeah, we, the, the format of what we're doing tonight, this is, we're just here to, to drink and have some fun and, and, uh, reminisce, uh, over the wonderful journey that we've taken over the last year and a half. Um, we are going to, in the midst of the conversation, we're going to throw in some fun, hopefully fun knock on wood party games. Like, um, I have assembled, uh, a plethora of trivia questions and, uh, who said it? quotes that i'm gonna just hurl at uh at you and at you and eric arlo so at various awesome. points i will i think what, what i'm gonna do is uh like each time i just decide to throw these at you i'll ask you guys which you want like would you do you want to do a trivia question or do you want to uh hear a quote and it's it's up to you guys whatever you want to hear so are there points are we competing um we we can be there's absolutely uh no reward but uh Except for my satisfaction at having beaten Sipple into a pulp. Yeah, all right. Who who has a convenient notepad, or who wants to keep score? Um, I, I can keep score, because it's very important that this be the podcast where the points don't mean anything, and all the hosts are bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. Well, um, you know what? Yeah, I, I realize I didn't plan to start off this way, but because I've just mentioned it, I'm going to start off with uh, with trivia or who said it. Shit, you're deviating from the pattern. I know. You're deviating I know. from the agreed upon structure. Uh, I know. I th- Paul Paul sent us a giant document of how the this episode was going to go, 
and has was very clear that he wanted us to read it and and comment and respond about it and now he is already breaking it now i understand why he wanted us to read it so he could disorient us exactly completely yep. i got to keep you keep you on your toes so here's the thing i came up with 30 of each i know we're not going to get to all of these so i have 30 trivia questions and 30 quotes and i'm going to ask each one of you to decide what you want to answer. And then I have a random number generator because I'm not going to pick these. Uh, some of these are probably ridiculously easy and some of them I, I think are going to be pretty challenging. So I will randomly determine uh, who gets what. So Arlo, you're the noob. I'm going to start with you. You were the noob. Okay. Um, you were the most recent non-noob. So would, do you want a quote or a trivia question? Um, I will go with the trivia question. Okay. And your random question is, oh, Lord, this one, of the, <laughs> right out of the barrel, you got one of the hard ones. Uh, what was the Dark One's real name? Um, the, oh, shit, the Dark One from the graphic novels. Yeah. Um, oh, my God. Uh, I'm sure I have it in my notes somewhere, but... Uh, uh, Gothy McGotherson. I mean, that makes as much sense as what his name was. Uh, the is real. So you you don't get a point for it, uh, Eric. But do you know? No, I, this one's brutal. This was one of the harder ones. Yeah, uh, Moochie Gucci Lapucci the third. That's wow. right. <laughs> I remember now that he had a completely ridiculous name. Yes, that's pretty stupid. So okay. all right, that's a goose egg for Arlo, Eric. Trivia or quotes? Um, I'm going to go for, for who said it, just to uh, keep it a little changed up here. All right. Your quote. Uh, all right. Who said it? You'll never have to worry about your worldly possessions again because you won't have any. You'll get to shave your head. Your best friend will be a giant bison. Uh, Tenzin. There you go. Give yourself a point. Woo. What the shit? That was way easier than mine. <laughs> it was way easier than yours. So those were on the opposite ends. That was like we went from like the hardest possible question to one of the easiest quotes probably of the night. I will tell you that is possibly the most challenging of the trivia questions that I came up with just because it's an impossibly ridiculous name. And it is from the comics, which I don't know. They probably aren't as fresh in our minds as the show. But. All right. Well, I still have the rest of the podcast to uh, come back and bend Sipple into the earth. <laughs> That's right. You're not you're not out of the game yet. <sighs> All right. So let's start off by reminding uh, the listeners and ourselves what what like our first experiences with these shows were. Um, I, I already mentioned that uh, Eric, you and I had been fans of the show before uh, we started this podcast, but um, we can start with you, Eric. How did you first? encounter avatar on recommendation i'm i'm almost certain and um i i don't actually remember what got me to watch it what i do remember is watching the first episode and thinking this animation is kind of crappy and i and i I, going back later i remember it wasn't really the animation i think we talked about it it was like the compositing Mm -hmm. of stuff was like like definitely a little rough in that first episode and that's what I remember, and I was like, it's okay. But I, it was enough to keep me watching, but it definitely took me um, probably a couple of episodes to really get into it. But that's what I, I remember, like, it was just sort of on recommendation. And then on the chorus side, 
I did not get into watching it until it was almost over again, even though I loved Avatar and I was fascinated by the idea of Korra. It was basically, I think, while season four, I think it was right after season four ended when I actually watched it. So um, I was late to the party twice for this show. So was Avatar still airing when you started watching it? Or was it I don't. I don't think it was still airing. I think it, I think it was done. I think it was the same thing. I think Sozin's Comet had like just recently aired. So I think I picked up both shows right as they finished, which I guess was probably for the best because I didn't have to stop watching. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I came to it much later than uh, both shows were well and truly finished. I think it was, I think it was late 2014, maybe. Um, wow. So you, I, I, I always forget this. You did not have a lot of lead time before we actually did this podcast, you just like obsessively consumed it over and over again to the point where it felt like you had. <laughs> I did. You know, I actually, I have no memory of, of what, like how much I was pestering you guys or, or what the road leading up to this podcast was. I know that I had wanted to do this podcast for a long time. Um, I know that I had uh, considered like a dozen different podcast titles. The Avatar Returns was not my first podcast title choice. Uh, but what everything was else your I, first podcast title choice? My first podcast title choice was Bossing Say What? <laughs> Which I'm I think, glad that we stuck with the Avatar I, I think we can all agree. It was uh, fortuitous that I did not end up going with that. Um, it's actually Arlo's fault. I didn't end up going with that. I think Arlo was like, I will not be involved with a podcast that is called that. Very um, occasionally... I get to be the voice of reason. Yes. Very just, just sometimes, just sometimes. Um, but the thing is, so uh, I said, I re-listened to our first episode last night. I also went back and re-listened to a friend of the show, Ken Edwards. He has a podcast called, uh, called, so let's get to the point. And in February of 2015, I believe it was episode number 68 of his show. So let's get to the point. Uh, he had me on the episode title was life, love and Airbending else. Uh, he had me on to talk about all sorts of shit, as is uh, frequent for his show. It's kind of just a, a conversational podcast. But amongst the things we discussed, he had also seen Avatar and Korra. And so for about an hour of the runtime of that show, he and I discussed uh, both shows just all at once. Uh, and this is before we did this podcast. Um, so I just went back to listen uh, to see what my thoughts on it were at that point uh, compared to what they are now. And um, they were, I think I'm pretty consistent, except that now I am much, much more of a Korra fan than I was at the time when I was on So Let's Get to the Point. I was a little, I, I wasn't necessarily critical of Korra, but I was much more firm in my, yeah, Avatar is the better series. Korra is really cool, but Avatar is the much better series. So... Um, doing this podcast with you guys and having these lengthy discussions and, and analyses of all the episodes, I appreciate Cora much more than I did in February of 2015. But um, awesome. no, nothing makes me happier than that fact I, 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 that that you came out of this loving Cora more makes. Even if I had hated every minute of this podcast, it would have been worth it for that. <laughs> Uh, what about you, Arlo? Oh, wait, did, I didn't. Uh, I don't think I finished the story of how I got into it. So uh, very briefly, because I've told it multiple times, went to the store to buy the complete series of um, Cowboy Bebop. And at the checkout stand, somebody in line in front of me had just changed their mind and set down the complete set of Avatar 
just left it there. And I was like, well, God damn it. That means I have to buy it. <laughs> so I bought that. I came home. I went on Twitter and asked people's advice. Uh, you know, I've got both of these shows. Which one should I watch? Um, almost 100% of the people said you should watch Cowboy Bebop. So I said, right, I'm going to start with Avatar <laughs> because that's the kind of dick I am. Uh, so that was how I watched Avatar The Last Airbender. I was com- fell in love with it from the first episode, powered all the way through it. Um, went immediately into The Legend of Korra, and as soon as I finished Legend of Korra, I immediately went back and restarted Avatar. Uh, to this day, I have not watched Cowboy Bebop. I didn't watched, you try to watch I, Cowboy Bebop and you didn't care for it? I did. Well, I, st- I made it, uh, I think, five episodes in, and uh, it, w- it was fine, but I just wasn't feeling it. And I don't know if it's because I was really in an Avatar headspace at that point or, or what, but... Um, I do, like, I haven't thrown it away. I do still own it, and I intend to go back and watch it. I know, Eric, you are a huge fan of it, so I know that you uh, will want me to go back and try again. I, I think maybe maybe you should not watch it until we do a podcast where you get to be the noob oh, watching okay. it. All right. I, I feel like, I think, that, I think maybe the right podcast for this is Eric should just make up a an occasional rolling anime podcast where I bring on a noob with me. All right. That sounds awesome. That's a great idea. I will enthusiastically be a part of that. All right. And the nice thing is, like, the longest series I would ever show would be 50 episodes. So that's, like, that, that's nothing. That's not a, like, not 113 episodes? Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. All right, Arlo. What about you? What, what, uh, how did you get into this crazy Avatar world? So some complete asshole that I know would not shut up about this show eric and he was like oh i think we should do a podcast about it and i was like oh fuck so that's what happened (laughs) okay so no uh (laughs) um i i had for uh for years i'd been hearing about avatar i remember when it was airing i don't think i ever okay I, i remember one time watching it um i was a teenager i was at my best friend's house and her little sister was uh not the one i'm engaged to the other one um <laughs> was watching uh nickelodeon and i you know i was again i was a teenager i was past liking a lot of nickelodeon shows so i approached anything that could have been on the tv with you know angsty teenage skepticism and i remember i i only caught like snippets of avatar but i was like you know what this is actually pretty good like yeah, I I, th- I think I might have even qualified that though in my head. Again, surly teenage Arlo, AJ at the time, um, was like, "This is pretty good for a kids show." Um, but I, I I remember that you know it was it was good what I saw of it, and for years I heard people raving about it. So I had been wanting to watch it for a while, and. Uh, I'm really glad that you became completely obsessed with it and forced me to do a podcast about it because that's um that's how I find uh, how I discover a lot of the things that bring me joy. <laughs> this is when I cram them down your throat. That's right. That's right. And yeah, I I, I love Avatar. I love The Legend of Korra. I'm a huge fan now. I, I can't really imagine my life without these shows at this point. So I'm I'm super grateful uh for you kickstarting this whole experience into existence paul awesome i'm glad i could i'm glad i did something right man 
Finally. Finally. I've been trying for so you made long. Me wa- you made me watch Enter the Dragon, <laughs> but at least I got to watch Avatar and Korra too. Wait, Oof, Enter the brutal. Enter the Dragon. Oh you mean no, the shit! La- that's the Bruce Lee that's movie. That's the Bruce Lee. You mean the, you mean the Last Dragon? <laughs> yes, I think right. Yes, Barry Gordy's the Last Dragon. Yes, you're that's, you that's are it. you are fucking welcome, man. When I say who's the master, you say. Show enough. Thank you. I, I'm just glad, I'm glad that you watch it now. So when we ever do our, our podcast for the Last Jedi, I can sing the Last Dragon song yes. about the Last Jedi. Oh God, that's gonna be great. <laughs> that is gonna be so great. Um. All right. On that note, time for some more uh, quotes and trivia. Arlo, which what do you want? I'm so hesitant right now. Um, I'll go with a quote. All right. Random generator. Work your magic. Ooh, number 30. Let's see. Usually, I look at a project like this and think, wow, I could make a ton of money off this. But recently, I've been having these strange feelings inside. It's like I'm concerned with others. And there's this nagging voice in my head constantly telling me what's right from wrong. Um, that would be Icknick Blackstone Barrick. Yes. Congratulations. Man, I thought, I thought my quote was easy. That was even easier. <laughs> I'm not sure how challenging any of the quotes are going to be. The quotes, I think you'll probably, you'll probably all get the quotes, but... But not only not only was that a fairly easy quote, but it was a Varric quote, which was like totally Arlo's bread and butter. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. That's very true. That's yeah, very true. That's all all right. right. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna go for it. I'm gonna go for trivia. Okay. All right. Number twenty-three. Oh Lord. Yeah. See, you're getting a hard one, man. People are gonna. <laughs> you guys are just gonna start avoiding trivia. All right. Name at least three other flying lemurs besides Momo from throughout the series. I can name zero flying lemurs <laughs> from throughout the series. I, I were there other flying lemurs? There were. Here, here, I'll tell you what. Nick, can you name... Well, you said zero. I should have said name at least one, but... No, I really I really couldn't. Honestly, I... I hold on. Okay, hold on. Let me see if I can name at least one. Uh... No, oh. I think I think Monkey Yahtzee had one. Maybe that, that one had a name, but I can't remember what it is. <laughs> Arlo, what about you? Um, Kelly McGillis. Oh, yeah, close. You were close. Uh, in the Rift comic, um, the the Avatar that, anyways, the Avatar in that had two of them uh, named Pick and Pack. And then the easy one. The reason I should have said name at least one is uh, Milo has a lemur, a lemur named Pokey. Forgot about that. Yeah, me too. So, all right. Well, we're tied up because both Arlo and I were stupid enough to take trivia. I want to let you know I am not going to back down on trivia just because. I'm not I either. Am, I'm, I'm going to, Eric, I want to make a pact with you. If I alternate between trivia and quotes, will you do the same so it kind of evens it out for us? Yeah. Yeah. That's perfect. Okay. okay. Great. Just, we'll just Let's alternate. Sweet. Okay. All right. Um, well, now that we've done that, uh, when how long did it take each of us to actually like genuinely become invested in these shows so like um eric you you watched these on the recommendation of a friend did you were you like did you begrudgingly watch it were you like all right i'll watch it so you shut up or or like how long before you realized this is fucking cool so i definitely didn't grudgingly watch it i i went in um you know pretty ready to like it i'm trying to think when i really 
got into it. I mean, I know that by the end of the first season, I was. I know that, like, the Siege of the North definitely got me in. So I, I think that was probably the high watermark of, like, before I was a, truly a fan. You know what I mean? Like, I, from everything after that was, like, me totally into the series. I don't know if there were other pieces leading up to that that did it. I certainly remember watching a couple episodes. Like, I remember The King of Amashu. I'm sorry memory um i i'm kidding i hate that episode um i remember the um the winter solstice stuff and i of course remember the blue spirit of as being good um but i it was definitely the the um the killing of the the uh moon spirit and the like bonkers kaiju ang and just how dark and and nuts that episode got that I was like, okay, this isn't just a good show. This is a show that's going to go for it. And so I think that's what really tipped me over. As soon as I realized they weren't going to play around with the plot, I was in. Yeah. What about you, Arlo? Well, you know the first episode where I really realized I was invested in these characters? Mm-hmm. Season one, episode six, Imprisoned. <laughs> I, knew, that... <laughs> I knew we weren't going to make it out of here without that classic episode i i'm like i'm not kidding if you go back and listen to whatever episode where we would have discussed that probably the third episode of our show i i probably said on air like guys i think we just watched the first great episode of this show and both of you were like you idiot that was that was the- i was completely deflated but in the moment watching it I was like, this is the episode where, yeah, I think I'm 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 in on this show. Well, then we owe a debt of gratitude to uh, Imprisoned. That was in our second episode, by the way. Okay. So now I, I do want to clarify that I really like like from the first episode, I really liked it, and I was like, wow, okay, this you know my my half formed memory wasn't wrong. This is a pretty damn good show. But then it was really uh, Imprisoned that took it over the edge for me. Yeah. I couldn't um, tell you why at this point. Maybe if I watched it again, I would be like, yeah, this isn't really that great. But at the time, I loved that episode. Yeah. Um, I I can't remember the episode that really... Like, I think I liked the show straight off, but I feel like it was probably The Blue Spirit, uh, which was episode 13 of the, of book one. I think that was probably the first time when I was like... I'm 100% down for this show. Um, that's certainly the one that stands out in my memory from uh, my first watch. There were great, there was great stuff before that, but um, that was the one. Also, it took me a while. I, I stupidly did not warm up to Zuko as quickly as I really feel like I should have. And neither I, did I, if and, you'll remember. Yeah, Arlo, I, we we gave you some crap for not warming up to him as quickly as you should have either, but. Um, I feel I don't remember at what point you finally came on board the Zuko train, but uh, I think it was I think it was the Blue Spirit right around there. Really? Okay, so see, we're Eric. How about you? When did you uh, learn to stop worrying and love the Zuko? (laughs) I don't remember ever not liking Zuko. I don't know when I really. I I don't. So for me, I think it must have been a more gradual scale up because I never really had a problem with Zuko. Like you were very unsure about Zuko, Arlo. I remember you were. Yes, like, I was very, very skeptical, and I was never skeptical of Zuko. So I don't know when I went to being like I don't know when I started thinking he was the most interesting character in the in Avatar. But um, yeah, I it was it was more gradual for me. I think. I mean, at the beginning, I just thought he was that 
kid who like lies alone in his bed at night with his earbuds and listening to Boulevard of Broken Dreams on repeat. <laughs> but I, I did eventually grow to love him. I, I feel like there were some some goth teenage angst jokes that we made along the way. As you were. There, yeah, I, I'm pretty sure there were. Yeah. Uh, so, so before, so I, this is a, I have, I, as we were talking about when we got into the episode, what episode we got into, I, I, I was looking at episode list just to see if like a name would trigger what I was saying. And uh-huh. as I was looking back at Avatar, I realized that it did not have the same animation studio we were constantly calling out as wonderful during Korra. And I, I did a quick dig and I didn't know we never talked about this, I don't think, but Studio Mirror was formed by the head of the former animation studio who did Avatar, JM Animation. So JM Animation's head, I don't know if JM Animation closed or what, but he went on in 2010, formed Studio Mirror. So the person in charge of one of the main animation studios for Avatar did run the studio that did Korra. I, so. I, I was not aware of that, and we certainly never discussed that. We, I, I don't think we talked really very much about the studios that did the animation when we were in avatar now they they alternated the whole time yeah for the most part in avatar although jm animation did pretty much all of the big episodes um there are a couple other animation studios that alternated but yeah so anyways i just i thought that was an interesting thing that i didn't realize there was a there were many creative connections and even though the animation studio itself wasn't the connection between the two shows jm studio mirror went on about based on the person who done it before. So anyways, just I uh, wanted to point that weird little bit of trivia out because really it's not going to awesome. fit anywhere else. Very cool. Um, all right. Well, that sounds like a cue for me to throw out some trivia. So where are we? Um, Arlo, I think you're back into trivia, correct? Yes, I am. All right. Let's see. Where's my random number generator? Here we go. Trivia question number. Work with me here. All right. Number five. Uh, oh, okay. <laughs> I, I apologize. Apparently all the trivia questions are going to be hard. This is, okay. This is almost a trick question and, and we can discuss Shit. it after I ask. No, listen. So name the benders featured in the opening sequence for each series. Wow. Okay. Shit. I, I don't understand how it's a trick question, though. Well, the reason the reason it, it's not a trick question. It's an uh, it's I should say it's an unfair question because one of them uh, is never named. Like we do, we oh. we don't know who one of them is. So that that one will you be a gimmick. But <laughs> we did over the course of the series um, learn actually technically in Avatar, two of them were kind of unnamed. <laughs> But over the wow. course okay. of the all series, right, right. we did learn the names of these characters. And I think we even talked about them on the show. Okay, so I'm not going to get this, but I'm I'm going to do my best. Okay. Um, so for Avatar, the airbender was Aang. Um, tell me if I'm right as I'm going along. Um, um, that, that's apparently not true. I always thought it was, but when I was researching this, they what? claim it's an unnamed air nomad. What the shit? Eric, what do you think? What do I think of what? Uh, if Aang was the airbender in the opening of uh, Avatar. Um, you know, I actually can't remember. Um, I, I'm, a little, always, I'm a little, I'm a little clearer on the Korra ones, but I'm not too clear on the Avatar ones. I always thought it was. My research says it was an unnamed air nomad, so I don't know. We'll, we'll see. If you get everything else, Arlo, we'll give it to you. 
<laughs> I'm not going to, but uh, uh, the Firebender was Roku. Nope. Right? Not an Avatar. Shh, fucking. Uh. <laughs> then I, I don't know. I'm not going to get the other two at all. Name, name. Okay, do Korra. Let's see if you can do Korra. Korra, the Airbender was Aang. Yes. Okay. Um, was the Firebender Roku in that one? Yes. Okay. I don't know the Earthbender. Uh, was the Waterbender Korra? Yes. Um, okay. I'll, I'll give you a hint. In the Korra openings, they were all avatars. Okay. Does that help you figure out who the Earth one was? That's a, that is that is a, just a straight gimme. Uh, um, Earthbender. Uh, Toph? Um, Come on, man. It's an avatar. It's an avatar. Oh, it's an avatar. Shit. Um, that's right. Oh, who's the Earthbending avatar? The wow. Av- the avatar this, before this Roku. This is sad. Oh, man. I, I can't remember. Literally an entire order named after this avatar. Oh, fuck. You heard this avatar. Kiyoshi? Yes. There you go. Uh, oh, my God. <laughs> there you go. So um, the avatar ones, Eric, unless you know them. No, I don't know the avatar ones. Okay. On avatar, the waterbender was Paku, who is the waterbending master. Um, That's right. Apparently, the the earthbender was named Sud or Sud, uh, but the the... I don't, I don't think we ever got that name, but the character design was the original design for Toph. So, like, Toph was originally going to be a male, and that character design is the one they used for the Earthbender in the opening. The Firebender was Azula, and then it was an unnamed Air Nomad, apparently, for the air. Wow. Trixie. I promise, I promise some of the trivia is not that difficult, but anyways. I don't believe you at this point. <laughs> All right, I'm gonna, I think I'm you're gonna, lying to us. I'm going to blow the quote because I just feel like that after that, that question was so brutal that I'm, I've got karma coming for me. All right, let's do it. Let's do the quote. <laughs> okay, here we go. Um, do you want me to randomly or do you want me to pick a hard one? No, you have to do it randomly. We're doing it randomly the whole time. Okay, all right. The odds will not be in my favor. <laughs> uh, okay, here we go. This, this one, yeah, this might be challenging. I've never had a human pet before. I think I'll call you Stinky. Oh, man. Uh, give me a second. I don't think I'm going to get this one. Um, I, I, I'm going to go with Azula. Nope. Yeah, although that, although that, uh, that sounds like an Azula quote. Arlo, you have it? I can hear it in Azula's voice. That's the only reason I went with it. I have no idea. <laughs> I hear everything in Azula's voice. I'm hearing you sound like Azula right now. Um... Oh man, I th- I think this must have been like a spirit or something. Mm-hmm. Um, was it uh, was it the carrot spirit? No, but you're close. You're close. I don't. I'm not sure we ever hear the carrot spirit talk. I yeah. can't. I can't remember. Was this um, was this one of was this from the want? Was this from beginnings? Yes. Yes. It was I I the the I I spirit or whatever the 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 sort of lemur looking oh, spirit that befriended right. one. What is right. you and asking us to name lemur-like things? I don't know. Apparently, I have a lemur fetish. What can I say? Man. We're learning a lot of things I didn't want to learn. So. <laughs> That's why you love these shows so much. Oh. You've got lemur fever. 
Yeah, we we are we are now even. That was uh that like we stayed even through three rounds. Ooh, okay, man, shit. So a... what is is it is it three three? One one. <laughs> three oh, three. It's, <laughs> it's only one one. Have we each only gotten one question? Yes. I love your confidence, Arlo. Keep I thought up. that we that a... we each got one quote and have oh, failed everything uh, else. Uh, okay, that's right. There have only been three rounds. Yeah. Sorry, my I I I don't math well. <laughs> um. All right, so we we talked a little bit ago about um, other animated shows, or maybe only one. I'm not sure. Uh, but has has watching Avatar and Korra has that sort of affected the way that we view other animated programs, specifically television? Uh, like, I don't know. Do, have you watched any animation since falling in love with? Uh, Avatar and Korra and you know has your love for those shows colored your your enjoyment of other animation this has got to go to Arlo first okay okay so I think a lot of the times when we think TV animation we sort of default to comedy mm-hmm. you know like the Simpsons Family Guy Rick and Morty stuff along those lines um, and, and there's there's plenty of comedy in the Avatar verse, but I think um, I, I have never been that knowledgeable knowledgeable about anime. So I know that like like straight up dramatic long form serialized animated shows exist, and I've seen bits and pieces of them here and there. I'm just not really that familiar with them. So the um, Avatar was my uh, the first, like, serialized, dramatic, animated show that I really watched from beginning to end. Um, and I, I don't think it's changed my perspective on, like, the possibilities of animation. Because I, I, I knew, you know, Japan had a long history of, of TV animation like that. But it definitely makes me hungry for more of it and definitely makes me think that Western TV, American TV, needs more stuff like this. You know, we don't have to just box ourselves into, um, you know, like Adult Swim stuff or, you know, like the Fox animation block. We should have shows like this. Because, um, uh, I mean, when was the last time there was a dramatic animated show like, on, you know, in primetime in America? Was it was it Batman? Like the '90s Batman. Um, that was yeah. a very early one of like serious. That was I don't know if it was the further the first, but it was definitely a landmark. Yeah, you know, Ken and I actually talked about uh, the comparison between Batman the animated series um, and Avatar when when uh, I was on. So let's get to the point uh, because he was he was saying that you know that was one of his earliest sort of uh, quote unquote serious animation loves, but that that one was not serialized that that's still that series was still primarily it was just week to week and that any sort of character development was kind of implied it wasn't really stuff that was carried over from one episode to the next um which obviously is a strength of avatar and Korra. but uh yeah so i'll be honest i don't think i've ever seen something like this that wasn't imported on American TV, and I would love to see more stuff like this. Eric? Awesome. Um, 
Well, you know, for me, I had been an anime fan before I watched um, uh, Avatar, so I was very sold on on the what animation could do, and also very frustrated on what American animation generally was not doing. And there were good animated shows out there uh, at that time. I mean, like even when Avatar was airing, you had like Teen Titans and other shows that were were good shows, very good shows. Um, so, but Avatar and Korra definitely hit a level that. American animation has generally not hit. Um, since then, though, I do think that the, I don't think any show has quite picked up Avatar and uh, Korra at the level that those two were working. But you are getting many more serialized animated shows like Young Justice now. So and then, you know, and which, again, actually not to say that there were never any serialized animated shows before, too. I mean, uh, there was a Spider-Man series in the 90s. That oh yeah, Spider Man and X Men had like huge, long, sprawling sagas. Yeah, yeah. So there, there had been there, but nothing as focused as Avatar and Korra, which was focused on the level of, of anime, like in terms of like this is our story, we're going to go with the story. But American animation has gotten better at this since then, largely because I think the diversification of markets, you start getting stuff on different networks. Um, but we're still trailing behind, and no one has quite realized the full potential of the medium, way that. Avatar and Korra has. Avatar and Korra should have been to animation in America what, like, The Sopranos turned out to be for uh, live-action TV, mm. and it has decidedly not been. In fact, no one seems to appreciate... When I say no one, I mean no one in Hollywood, people who would give money, seems to appreciate the possibilities. There. You know who so. does? Um, M. Night Shyamalan. Oh, you bastard. Yeah, okay. Paul, do you want to start talking about something else now before... <laughs> <laughs> Uh, well, I would say that uh, I completely agree. Nothing has reached the level of, of Avatar or Korra. Um, and uh, I mean, there's just something, there's a, a unique combination, an alchemical mixture of the uh, the serialized nature of the storytelling, uh, the fact that the storytellers actually took themselves, not took themselves seriously, but they were, act they were genuinely telling a serious story. Um, they weren't just creating you know, plot for the sake of plot, uh, the quality of animation, the quality of voice acting, all of that. It was like Avatar and Korra were sort of a, you know, the meteor strike uh, of quality animation. But I don't have these things up in front of me, so I don't, I'm not sure what the, the um, chronology of this is. But I will say that like um, the uh, Star Wars Clone Wars series... Um, Eric, help me out. Was that before, during, or after Avatar? Oh, man. So Avatar was... I'm going to have to... I actually have to Google this. I'm sorry. So Avatar was 2005. Um, and I think that, that that means that Star Wars The Clone Wars is probably um, earlier than that, actually. And I I can't believe that we... I didn't mention Rebels. Oh, my God. I worked Clone Wars. I'm an idiot. No, Clone Wars was 2008. So that was after that. So that was... literally. So Avatar ended God. in 2008. So it was literally after avatar how did i not mention rep i'm so sorry everyone i'm okay paul please keep talking i'm embarrassed <laughs> um you know you know what i think so you're i, I haven't seen the, the star wars shows but i i have heard you guys talk a lot about them so i know that you're right that they are you know serialized shows but you know what i think we're getting a lot of maybe not stuff like avatar and Korra, but from what i understand because again i don't watch a lot of these shows like there are a lot of shows on Cartoon Network uh, specifically that started off as just like quirky comedy 
that have now turned into like huge serialized shows like Adventure, Adventure Time, Steven Time. Universe, yeah. Yeah. shows like that. So I think we're getting stuff like that that's still tilted a lot more toward comedy than Avatar was, but they are also turning into these big serialized sagas telling big sprawling stories. I mean, the, so I mean, we are getting stuff like that. The the other one I want to mention is uh, my, you know, my second love is uh, Samurai Jack, which the the first few seasons of that, which aired uh, a decade ago, um, were. I, there was something special about that show, but it wasn't necessarily the serialized nature or the, you know, the serious dramatic storytelling involved. However, this new season, the final season that is, that's come back to tell, um, is extraordinary. Still not Korra or, uh, Avatar levels, but it is truly something special. Um, and then, I mean, what else? What else do we have? Oh, of course, Voltron, the new Voltron series, which I still have not watched the second season of. Um, that basically spun right out of The Legend of Korra because uh, two of the creators responsible for Korra went into that. Um, and and though I'm not sure if Studio Mir themselves are animating it, I think that the Studio Mir people are involved somehow. Okay. So, um, But yeah, I should say that, that Star Wars Universe has done some one thing at the level of Avatar and Korra, which is produce a character as amazingly iconic as Avatar and Korra, so give them credit for that. Ahsoka Tano yes. stands amongst the best of, of Avatar and Korra characters, which is there really weren't a lot of um, animated characters in, in American animation you could say that about. So, but yeah. We're still I a wasteland. Still I, totally, wasteland. I totally agree. Hopefully when uh, Korra and Asami are in the spirit world, they find a way to cross over and meet uh, Ahsoka. I want those two hey, streams to cross. I, I found an article that we should link to in the show notes hmm. um, by Mike Schollers on Huffington Post Canada called uh, It's All Geek to Me, The Golden Age of Animated Television. And he specifically talks about how Avatar and Korra sort of opened the door um, for a lot of really great <clears throat> shows on the air today that are serialized. Like I mentioned Adventure Time. And uh, he also talks about Regular Show and Gravity Falls. So... I don't know. That's uh, it's worth a look. Excellent. Yeah, we'll put the put that link in there as well. Hey, what about over the garden wall? You know what? I'm so glad you mentioned that because again, a, a shout out to Ken in our in our discussion on. So let's get to the point. <laughs> Ken made comparisons between Ang and Greg from Over the Garden Wall <laughs> because okay. I think I think the I comparison he was making is that they were both just like really young, goofy, childlike. Uh, innocent characters. Here's a question for you. Does Bojack Horseman count? Oh, damn, son. Because that is like, I, I have ashamedly only seen the first season of that show, but that's like a serious, like, dark adult yeah. cartoon drama. I mean, it's it's funny, but in like a really bitter way. Um, so yeah, I, th I think Bojack definitely counts. Wow, I am I am deeply shamed because I'm the one that always wants you to watch that. Yeah, that's a I know fantastic call, Eric. Have you seen that? No, I have not. Okay. I have not. Damn. Well, wait. Uh, I guess we have to do a Bojack Horseman podcast now. <laughs> um, all right. So uh, back to the lists. Uh, where are you, Arlo? Are we, are we into, uh, are you back on quotes now? I think. Yeah. Yes. 
because you completely stumped me with the uh, opening vendors. That's right. All right, let's see if the random number generator will be kind to you this time. Number 13. <sighs> the greatest illusion of this world is the illusion of separation. Things you think are separate and different are actually one and the same. We are all one people, but we live as if divided. Oh, shit. I remember that I had this quote written in my notes because I loved it so much. And now I'm just struggling to remember who said it. Um, can you can you read it again? The greatest illusion of this world is the illusion of separation. Things you think are separate and different are actually one and the same. We are all one people, but we live as if divided. Iroh? No. It's a damn good Fuck. guess. It's a damn good guess. As I was reading it, I was like, I hope I don't sound like Iroh. I hope I'm not influencing. <laughs> you never sound like Iroh. Oh, thank you. Eric, what do you think? Toph? No, it's Guru Patik. Damn. Oh, that's oh, I hated him, so that's why. <laughs> Poor Guru Patik. <laughs> all right. He just gave the worst. He gave the worst advice in all the series, and basically, almost ruined the show. Oh, almost ruined oh. the whole. Not advice into the show. He almost ruined Aang's ability yeah, to yeah, yeah. win the war with his terrible, terrible advice. Um, all Wait, right. His advice, I don't remember. To give up all earthly connections, and that he had to let Katara oh. go. Which is That's basically, right. basically, if you remember from, uh, was it was it the first comic series, The Promise? Um, that's what Roku was trying to get. Like Roku was trying to convince Aang that he was going to need to kill Zuko, and uh, that's when Aang sort of stopped talking to Roku. Korra really was maybe better off losing the Avatar. Yeah. yeah right. <laughs> All right, Eric. Uh, it's trivia for you, son. Um, let's Do see. it. Here we go. Which two characters from both series uh, were the only ones to get solo episodes? Um, that would be okay. Um, I, okay. I, I'm gonna. This is a this this might be a trick question. I'm actually not sure if this is a trick question or not. It's I I don't think it is. Do you want me to read the question again? No, I understand the question, but I think I'm I'm okay. I'm gonna say it is uh, Zuko and Korra. Yes. But uh, the reason I'm saying it's a trick question is because Appa kind of did too, right? Oh man! I, oh wow! <laughs> damn! I had not even thought of that. So, uh, you you could have. Uh, I might have given it to you, even if you had missed one of the others. You could have argued for Appa, but you got it. It's, Zuko and Korra. I, they I, each... went, I went with the obvious ones because they had a character name alone yeah. episode. Yeah. Yep. But that's why I was like, wait, is he trying to throw me off? Is he going for Appa <laughs> on this one? Appa's lost days. But oh, all right. Man. Hey, so, so, so are we still tied 2-2? Two, two? No, it's 2-1. You, you did not get a second point. Oh, shit. I, I literally was... just missed a question. How did I think I possibly could have scored a point? Well, oh, I, my let's, God. Let's be glad I'm keeping score. And not for, our real? I am, for real? Oh, wow. This is embarrassing. <laughs> Embarrassing. Uh, all right, man. I wish. Jesus. So, so what do we want to talk about next? What? Um, all right, we're talking about Zuko, Korra, and Appa. What? Uh, what sort of things actually won you over? Like, what draws you to the show? Uh, let's focus on characters. Like, what? Um, I mean, did the characters draw you in? Did the writing draw you in? 
Um, Arlo, I know the romance is what won you over finally. Oh, it's true. Especially at the beginning of Korra, that uh, three-way love triangle with uh, Korra and Mako and Asami. I was just all into that. Hey, can we skip Arlo? Because we actually know what element of the series drew Arlo in, and it was Prison Breaks. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. My early love of Imprisoned presaged all of the numerous Prison Breaks both of these shows would have. Like, seriously. You you were an early adopter, Arlo. It is an insane trope of this show that there are just a shit ton of prison breaks. Yep, you recognize there that really thing. are a lot. I, mean, I don't think we would have noticed had we not made fun of your love of the prison at the beginning. <laughs> I mean, Wentworth Miller has shit on Avatar. <laughs> <laughs> OK, sorry. I, I totally derailed that question. Let's answer it for real now. <laughs> well, we, I mean, uh, who wants to take it? Uh, take it. You want to go? Do you want to go, Arlo? Yeah, I'll take it. I think it really was a combination of the characters and the how do I want to put this? Um, the characters and not the episode to episode writing, though that was really good, but like the big picture writing dealing with um, like the different uh, the, the competing philosophies between uh, the, the the characters and the vil- the heroes and the villains, um, especially in Korra, the political complexities. I mean, in the comics, there are some fat, fan- fantastic, fascinating socio-political uh, commentaries. So I think it was just a combination of those things because, again, on Western TV. I had never seen an animated show that really had characters as strong as this or was willing to go um, as deep um, into like the implications of their stories, you know, because Ozai wasn't just a bad guy. He was a bad guy who really, really fucked up his kids and was a fascist dictator. And then especially on Korra, every single one of the villains, except for maybe one. Um, every one of the villains had like real genuine, like political philosophies that the show explored in detail and that challenged our heroes and all that stuff. I mean, I, I am over the moon when I, uh, the moon that, you know, does not get killed by fucking, what's his name? Zhao. Zhao. Eric, Eric, didn't you love Zhao? Wasn't Zhao like your favorite character? Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, the only thing I love more than Zhao is the Dai Li. <laughs> um, but uh, I, you know, I'm over the moon when I see stuff like that in uh, in live action shows, and so to get that in a in a Nickelodeon cartoon, um, I was just head over heels. Um, I mean, this was sort of a running theme in all of our conversations uh, from the very beginning as we were making our way through the series. But I'm just going to ask again here, what? What did you think of that? Or like, were you expecting that? You you said you'd heard enough people pray. Like, you were aware that this these series were like, you know, acclaimed that people loved them and said they were fantastic. But like, did it really kind of blow your mind how not Nickelodeon this Nickelodeon kids show was? Yes, yes, it did. Because again, you know, I still I still think I came in with that really unfair assumption. Like, well, I'm sure this is going to be really good. But only to a point, because it's a Nickelodeon show. 
so I was just I, I was very surprised when I you know opened my heart up to this show and fell in love with it because yeah I was not expecting it I expected it to be good but not as great as it actually is yeah what about you Eric so um this is one of those shows that falls into like a sweet spot for me like so it's not any one thing it's the the very particular mix of things and it is similar to the mix of things that gets me into some types of anime shows uh Gundam especially so you know it's Korra and Avatar they have very strong characters um, which are important to me. They have an excellent plot, like excellently like like long-term plotting. Uh, and I don't say that to mean they had every moment plotted before they started, the, but the, the plot arcs of the show run through the entire series. Um, and they have an element which is total catnip for me if you can mix it in with those other elements because it's the only way to make it work, which is – setting up character duels that you desperately want to see play out. Um, Which is, which is like, if you can get the character and story balance and have it pay off in like, you know, Zuko versus Azula and um, Korra versus, um, uh, uh, God, uh, Kavira, you know, like if you can have those be punctuation points on what is a, real character story in the first place that like and have the fight basically become an expression of the themes that are going on um that is it's so hard to pull it off and avatar and Korra both did so um that is it's that it's a stew it's like a per it's like the air a stew made just for eric simple that's what it was (laughs) thank you for 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 changing that and not saying a simple stew or something which is where i thought thought that was going Um, I'm kind of in the same boat with you, Eric, that, uh, it, it really was the, the mix of things because obviously the characters were fun right off. Um, we talked in the first episode about how Sokka starts the series as really just kind of the straight up obnoxious older brother. And fortunately they, they transition him into more of the comic relief, but, um, you know, I, I fell in love with the character of Sokka pretty early on, but I think the big thing, the, the, the spiritualism and philosophy that kind of stuff was also just fascinating to me i really did not know what to expect going into this but like the thing that first just totally blew my mind and this should not surprise either of you um was the the martial arts as bending or bending as martial arts um and how which kind of ties into the whole fight choreography stuff but just the level of detail that they went to and we've talked about this on the show where each bending style was associated with a, a real world martial arts style and the animation was uh intricately um you know mapped out to actual like if you were a martial artist you could watch it and say i know that move that he just did so that stuff just kind of blew my mind and i've never quite recovered i've been and we also talked about this maybe that was one of the reasons why um, I was slow to appreciate Korra because Korra moved a little further away from the uh, bending is a specific structured martial arts form and bending kind of just became a, more of a, 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 not generic, but anyways, it became less of a structured uh, fighting style and ability. But uh, yeah, the the realization that that's what was going on with the the bending styles and the martial arts and choreography kind of blew the top of my skull off. And I never quite managed to fit it back on after that. So uh, that explains a lot. Yeah. Yeah. 
I've been walking around with the top of my skull askew ever since. <sighs> um, all right. You know what? Let's, uh, I'm going to change it up here. Uh, we're not going to do, we're not going to do another uh, trivia or, or quote just yet. We'll get back to those, but let's, since we're talking about characters, um, let's talk about favorite and least favorite. So this is a bone that I'm throwing into the, <laughs> the show for Arlo, even though I'm not sure Arlo suggested it. I just knew this is something, this is the kind of thing that I feel like is required from, from a podcast like ours and a discussion like ours. We just have to come up with our lists. Hell yeah. So, I was born for this shit. So I will, I am going to lay some blame because uh, Eric and I are a little disappointed and I suspect some in the audience might be disappointed. Maybe they're more mature than we are. I don't know. But I was initially going to ask us to come up with our, like our five favorite characters from each series. And Arlo was like, no, no, we have to do top five characters, period, from both shows. That just makes it more fun, guys. Yeah, you were a, you're a monster. So it, this was not atrocious on the character level. It was difficult for the characters. Um, the, we have other things we're going to talk about later that were much worse. Yeah, but yeah. this this was the easiest of the atrocities. <laughs> the easiest of the atrocities. Congratulations, Arlo. <laughs> um, That's going to be the name of my debut album. So uh, just for that, you get to go first. Do you want to tell us your? Uh... Um, how do we want to do this? Arlo doesn't think we should do the sort of round robin. Arlo round robin takes forever. Yeah, all, right. all right, we're just we're just gonna go. And I, I I did rank them. The list was intended to rank them. Is that, yes. that correct? Yes. Yeah. Are we just naming them? Or are we saying a sentence? What what's the what's the I, call? I'm, I'm gonna talk a little bit about mine. All right. Okay. Ar I'll, I'll Arlo Arlo will set the pace for us here. All right. Okay. Cool. I can, let's do it. Let's do it, Arlo. Come on. I want to hear you. I want to hear you be wrong. So <laughs> my. <laughs> My and we we each picked a least favorite character, right? Mm -hmm. That's also part of it. Okay. Yep. So my top five characters. Number five is Toph Beifong. Excellent. Um, I remember you guys kept saying like, like, oh, I can't wait till we get to the Blind Bandit. Can't wait till we get to that episode. And then we got to the episode, and I was like, all right, cool. There's like a a, a little she daredevil in Avatar. Like, I get that's cool. <laughs> <laughs> and that was about the, the reaction I had. But in hindsight, it's very clear why you guys were so excited because adding Toph to the Aangang was like, I didn't realize something was missing from that dynamic. And Toph completes the chain. And I, I, I love her. I love how much of a shit she doesn't give, even though in her later years that kind of made her not a great mom. Um, but I, I love how, you know, she calls Aang twinkle toes. She just, she calls her students lily livers. She just, she has a very specific um, sense of humor that's almost not even really a sense of humor. That's just how she goes through life. Um, and I love that she is a blind character who, like the aforementioned Daredevil, um, that's an advantage for her. She is able to see better because she is blind and yeah i completely love her and i love that they brought her back as yoda Toph toward the end of Korra. <laughs> um just that really completed the circle for me um yeah Toph is awesome all right so okay 
So my number four is Bolin. Okay. Um, I always liked Bolin throughout the course of the show, but I'm going to be honest. I didn't really realize until we were getting very near the end of Korra how much I really loved him. Um, because his arc is basically to go from like completely goofy third wheel to, um, which is, which is different than Sokka because Sokka was the comic relief on Avatar, but he was also like the brains of the operation. Yeah. Um, but Bolin was just a completely goofy third wheel. And then his story became about how he could be manipulated into like supporting these causes or doing these things he didn't really in his heart of hearts believe in like Varric turned him into a, a mover star he started working for Kuvira because he was very naive and thought that what she was doing was was a good thing um, but in the end it turned his story turns into one of uh, someone basically discovering their independence and and making their own decisions and it was really great to watch like when we realized toward the end that he can lava bend that was fantastic and yeah i just really really love bolin excellent so all right my number three is iroh um uncle iroh not general iroh oh general iroh is fine i suppose (laughs) um Iroh, as originally voiced by the great Mako and later on the great Mako impersonator, uh, Greg Baldwin. Um, I mean, there is nothing not to love about Iroh. He is like, he's the stereotypical wise old man, but there's also like all Avatar characters. There is quite a depth to him. He has um, a very sad backstory that he doesn't allow to you know darken his spirit and he persists in spite of that and in spite of some of the terrible things that happen uh, over the course of the series and it's just he has a wonderful warm generous uh spirit and i i i wish i had an iroh in my life like i i want i want to hug iroh like I want to go to his coffee shop and I want, or not his coffee shop, his tea shop. And I want to hug him. I want a license. It, it, I, I want a bumper sticker that says I break for Iros. <laughs> I'd buy it. I'd buy it. <laughs> um, so my number two, my second favorite character in the avatar verse is Korra. Wow. Um, you know, I think we had discussed this on the show at one point, but it's very rare that the protagonist of a show is that is that show's best character. Like on Avatar, I love Aang. He's like not in my top five favorite characters just from that show. Um, but Korra really was the best character on her show because she was so complex and so much about you know she was she started off as a child being so sure of who she was and then you know as as with everyone you get older you encounter new things you have new at times 
crushing life experiences and suddenly your confidence is shaken and you don't really know who you are. And so she started off with a very firm identity, a very clear handle on who she was. That got broken down and she had to to pick up the pieces, put them back together and realize who she really was. And I loved that her that the show dealt with her journey every step of the way from, you know, contemplating suicide at the end of the first season to being completely broken at the end of the third and her incredible journey back in the fourth season. Um, Yeah, she is one of the best protagonists, one of the best heroes um, in any show that I think I've seen. And yeah, I, 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 I love her to death. I feel like I've ended all of these descriptions by saying I just love them so much. <laughs> but I do love Cora so much, and I, I especially love the fact that she's voiced by uh, Janet Varney, um, who's on You're the Worst, uh, and playing a character nothing like Cora in any way, shape, or form. <laughs> um, so, yeah, Cora, gosh, she's great. <laughs> all right, number <laughs> one, man. <laughs> My favorite character should come as no surprise I, I, to I, anyone. I suspect we we may all have the same number one. My favorite character is Prince Zuko. Oh, um, man, you've come so far since our first episode, Arlo. I know. It's shocking to think that at the beginning of this podcast, I didn't care for Zuko. Like, I actively did not like Zuko. But that was, I think, um, it was all part of the plan. <laughs> um, because... As we've mentioned many times, Avatar The Last Airbender was sort of like a stealth Zuko show. Like Zuko wound up being really the primary figure in Avatar, for me at least. A lot of the really compelling drama and a lot of the emotional stakes, not all, but a lot of them came from Zuko and Iroh and Azula. And, you know, Zuko's dad was the villain of the series. Um and so there's a lot of incredibly rich, um, you know, family drama inherent with Zuko. And we also, it was another great character journey from this whiny entitled prince who, because his family has always just been like evil scumbags, thinks that he needs to be an evil scumbag. And it's, again, a story of him finding who he really is and, you know, then searching for redemption when he realizes that, you know, the, the fire nation and what his father has done, you know, were awful and, and trying to uh, rehabilitate himself. And I loved watching his journey and I would seriously love to like, I want there to be a supercut of all of like the significant Zuko moments so I can just have the Zuko show. I yeah, absolutely pro- love that is probably out there. I'm sure someone has done a supercut of Zuko great moments. I, I, I fucking love Prince Zuko. Oh man. I'm so proud of you. <laughs> All right. Come along, hey baby. Yep. Eric. All right. Um let's do this. Um number five is a character that I am shocked was not on Arlo's list. And oh. That is Varric. Mm-hmm. He was close. Uh, it, the, so the thing with Varric is that there is not another character like Varric in either show. Um, and 
that he's stands on his own as this like incredible font of weirdness in the middle of everything and yet still managed to be an integral part of multiple plots both in season two and in season four gets to have um his own narcissistic crisis of conscience in season four to decry weapons of mass destruction um and brings along with him one of the um best sort of like running gag side characters of the show with julie do the thing i th- I don't know if there is a catchphrase as good as julie do the thing in all of the series to be honest i don't know if anything stands out at that level um and he's also just hilarious he's so funny all the time when someone who doesn't watch the show can sit down and come out highly amused and totally into a character, you know, that character is great. So ace to Varric. Thanks for doing the all, thing. All hail John Michael Higgins. Yes. Fantastic work by him, man. And honestly, he was so close to being my number five. And and if you ask me tomorrow, he might replace Toph. I, I can't decide. Yeah. I, I'm I'm glad that that he made it on one of ours. Um, it's good. It's good. It keeps some some difference in our list because there's one that is not so different, although in a different space. Uh, my number four choice is Iroh. The masterful performance that went into it is only part of what makes Iroh amazing. Iroh is the the beating heart of the entire first series Avatar. He is. Without him, um, without him, there is no great character of Zuko, and I love Zuko. But without Iroh, Zuko never becomes what, but he needs to be in the series. He is the moral center for for our most troubled character. Um, gets a lot of amazing stuff. Gets the most absurdly badass prison moment in the entire show of ripping off his cloak to show that he is suddenly the most muscled man on earth. Oh man. That was great. (laughs) Um, Just a really phenomenal character and led to one of the great moments of the series. I brought it up. I bring it up constantly. Um, It's probably won't be the last time I bring it up today, but um, the end of season two, uh, the betrayal of Iroh is, Uh. is maybe the most heart ripping out moment of the entire series. And it is entirely because of Iroh's reaction. As I mean, it's like it. Nothing says what Zuko has thrown away more than the fact that Iroh has been hurt. I don't know. It's it's it, it only works because of Iroh. Yeah. What's that? Broken. He was broken by that. So it's it's brutal. It's as brutal as in a series, two series full of brutal moments. I don't know if there's anything more brutal than what happens to Iroh in that scene. So, anyways, Iroh is fantastic, and he even survives the most unforgivable of voice changes because no one can replace Mako. Yeah. And it's no one's fault. It's heartbreaking that he passed before the series ended and his replacement did a phenomenal job. Um, and the character had such a heart, such a center to him that I think it gave well, Greg Baldwin, yeah. um, yeah. a lot to work with. So anyways, thank you to the character writers for Iroh who even gets a couple of great Korra appearances in mm. the spirit world. Um, my third choice is Toph Beifong. One of the, um, the probably the best of the Ang gang and uh, really brought something to the group that they needed, which was a absolutely sardonic take no shit attitude to anything, including to Ang, who everyone is gaga over and she could care less that he's the avatar. And and is one of his great trainers has something that we don't mention enough, which is. One of the best background plots of anyone. Her relationship with her family is one of the strongest plots that any of the characters who aren't a main character gets. Yeah. And what I really love is that it's the complement to the fact that that 
Toph is so independent um, as a character. The way that she is doted on and treated as if she's incapable of maintaining herself because she's blind by her parents is really heartbreaking. And it doesn't get enough attention, in my opinion. And what I love about Toph is that it would be really easy to turn her into some kind of loving parent as a result. And she's not. She's a train wreck as a parent when she grows up. She loves her kids, but totally screws up Lin and Sue. They are two characters with lots of baggage as a result of it, but gets, again, one of the best plots in the entire series with her relationship with her family. She gets two of the best family plots in the entire shows, <laughs> and she gets them in each of them. It's ridiculous. So, fantastic. Fantastic top. Um, also, she invents metal bending. I'm yes. sorry, how did I not? Yeah. Okay. Num- my number two choice... And this is where I may break a trend that that Paul thought was going to be there is Zuko. Oh, look at you! Wait, Arlo, this what was t- your what was your number two? Korra. Korra. Okay, yeah. All right. So this was this was tough. Um, Zuko is by far the strongest character in Avatar. He gets nothing but the best work, like plots of what goes on. He gets some of the best action moments of the series. He gets some of the best episodes of the series. Um, Zuko is a, a masterwork of a character. He is, I'm a sucker for redemption stories. You can, you can get me on those every time if you pull it off. And Zuko is near the top of redemption stories, especially because how he, hard he falls in, in the crossroads of destiny. Mm-hmm. That backslide made me think he was never going to come back as a character and it made his eventual redemption so potent. And it is so hard to pull that off and make you think that it's real. Any other show, I probably would have thought it's bullshit and he's gonna. it's just frustrating and they're like spinning their wheels on the plot. It felt like he had backslid to villainy forever. And when he finally comes around in the Western Air Temple to join the group, it's just heartwarming. That's... And him and Aang has a great friendship. Yeah. yeah. And Zuko's plots continue on into the, into the, um, the comics. That's how strong of a character Zuko is. He stays strong outside the series um even if he doesn't get much to do in Korra so fantastic character no surprise Zuko is on this list number one probably surprises no one and that is Avatar Korra um so does that surprise anyone because I well I mean it surprises me that Zuko wasn't your number one but when you said he wasn't yeah I I knew where it was going I figured it was either Korra or Azula and I thought Korra probably tipped Azula out you know, Azula not being on this list really kills me. Um, I will say it is, yeah. it was really hard. And I'll be honest, just like um, Varric would have made the list on a different day for Arlo, Azula would have made my list on a different day. I think if we were closer to Avatar, I probably would have put Azula, but having just come off of the Varric at his highest, I would maybe it was a little biased. But, anyways, Korra is the model for how you should write your main character. She is the centerpiece of every plot she is changeable she is not a hero of destiny so you know where they're going to go it's not clear where Korra's plot's going to go meaning that anything can happen to her meaning that a lot of really bad stuff does happen to her and she struggles and faces real trauma and i can't think of the last time any character on an action series got to deal with real ptsd the way that Korra did and it dives right into it they risk on any character doing that would most writers would think I'm risking making my action star weak for to do it with a female character who you are going to doubly think that the audience is going to read it as weak and to play it totally as trauma and not the kind, not there was no gendering to it. There, it was it's 
anyway, it's it's beautiful what they did with Korra, and she goes through the most hell of almost any main character I can think of. She gets put through the ringer in fascinating ways. She stays strong, and her redemption of herself, and it's not like she needs to be redeemed in our eyes, but her finding herself, her realizing her place in the world, her becoming the most empathetic of the avatars after her trauma, which is not the I'm the avatar, got to deal with it kind of person that we start off with at the beginning of the series. She becomes someone that uses her avatar state to save a fascist dictator and then explain why they are not so different. It's it's an amazing character arc, one of the best I've ever seen. Uh, My heart beats for Korra, and there's a reason that I love the series so so much and it is it is her and the astounding work and as a side note one of the best character designs of all time Cora's character design is amazing yeah and she gets a redo of her like earthbender short hair version late in the season to echo Aang getting a different character design in the third season <laughs> of point. his show yeah good call um so anyways uh hat tip to Cora, one of the most astounding of protagonists on television Wow. Okay, so I probably won't have as much to say as either of you because you've both said it all. (laughs) But I will, I do want to preface, and you've both touched on this, but I want to preface my list by saying I fucking hate lists. And the reason I hate lists is because I always feel when I'm making a list, it feels like I'm writing this in stone. And that is clearly not the case, as you both have said, on a different day, or fuck it, at a different hour, like before we're done with this podcast, I could probably alter this list at some point. So I will tell you characters that didn't make the top five cut that absolutely should have and could have at any other time. Katara, Asami, Tenzin, uh, Lin, even Zaheer was in the running at one point. So yeah. (laughs) And I also decided not to cheat on the very first episode of the avatar returns. I made a comment about how uncle Iroh is like like when you ask anybody who their favorite characters are almost everybody is like well if you don't count uncle iroh because he's everybody's favorite then my favorite would be so and so or whatever so i considered cheating and saying my my better than number 1 is iroh i didn't and so varick who would have been number 5 gets bumped down the list so that iroh can be my number 5 character um just so that he had a place on the official non-cheaters list. And uh, you've both nice. You've both said uh, wonderful things about Iroh. You were absolutely right. He is the, he's the heart and soul of the series. Uh, the incredible uh, character development that Zuko gets over the course of Avatar uh, is in large measure because of the, uh, the father-son relationship that he develops with the Uncle Iroh. Iroh has... Um, all of the, you know, Iroh gets all of the wise um, philosophical quotes of the series. Uh, we get moments of him, like extended moments. The character of Iroh gets moments that another show, even a show similar, probably wouldn't allow. We get extended moments of, extended scenes of like him teaching his nephew how to lightning bend. But rather than just showing him how to do that, he gives him a history lesson on the development of the different bending styles and why it's important to to take lessons from all like all different quarters um yeah i mean iroh 
and he had and the character of Iroh and the voice acting of Mako gave us one of the most heart-wrenching experiences in the entire original series and um Eric you already mentioned the the Zuko turns his back on his uncle you're absolutely right that was it but I'm thinking specifically of Leaves from the Vine uh, the oh, song yeah. that he sings to his dead son yeah um man just hardcore so Iroh uh, much love to you we're pouring out a, a mug of tea just for you <laughs> yes exactly um, all right, number four uh, is Toph Beifong. Um, I mean, what can I say that you guys didn't already cover? Toph is uh, an incredible character because she is, I mean, because she's handicapped, because she, is, she, is, she has a disability that is, uh, that is an, adva- an advantage to her. Um, she's the youngest member of the team. I have the, I have a, an odd soft spot in my heart for like perhaps unrealistically young characters that happen to be like super badass in superhero fiction or whatever. So Toph checks that box for me. She's, she's the youngest member of the team and she is hands down the baddest ass on the team. Um, and her devil may care. I, 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 I love her relationship with the others. I love her. I don't give a shit about you. I also love the fact that we discover over time that at least some of her, her hard ass, I don't give a shit attitude is, is covering up the fact that she, she did have a, not a rough childhood, but she, she, she has some childhood issues, some family issues that she's dealing with. And so some of her badass attitude is kind of, kind of an act, a chip on her shoulder. But anyways, Toph in both forms. I could have given a separate category for Yoda Toph, but we'll just we'll just put Toph at number four. Uh, number three is Bolin, um, because I love the comic relief, and I especially love comic relief. I, I I cannot get enough of the sort of ridiculous class clown characters that also turn out to have uh, not just a good heart, but to have some ability, like some skill. Um, and the fact that Bolin, while Bolin was never the brains of the group, like Eric, I think you mentioned <laughs> that, uh, you know, that was me. Oh, that was you. Sorry. That, um, Sokka may have been goofy, but he was also the brains. Bolin, not the brains of the team, but, um, he definitely has a heart. And, uh, I mean, he deserves a place on this list if only for, uh, Nuktuk hero of the South. Oh yeah. So, um, yeah, Bolin, uh, number two is Sokka for all of the reasons I just mentioned for Bolin. Plus the fact that he is the brains of the team. Um, Sokka has the perfect, um, snarky sense of humor. Uh, he is the, he gets to be the butt of so many jokes, but he also is like irreplaceable on that team. Um, and like my heart soars anytime a character can be uh, on the surface, you could just dismiss him as the clown or the comic relief, but then you, he gets a badass moment where you realize these guys probably wouldn't survive if he wasn't on the team with him. And Sokka had, I think, multiple opportunities to, to show that sign. And then number one for me is Zuko. Yeah, number one. What? 
Sokka was number two? Sokka was two, yeah. Okay. All right, go for it. Sorry. I was like, for some reason, I thought Sokka was three. I got confused for a second. Okay, yes, you're nope, right. No, Iroh, Toph, Bolin, Sokka, and number one is Zuko. Um, and and yeah. Arlo hit the nail on the head. Zuko is uh, a profoundly sophisticated character for any for any show, live action or animation, uh, adult or, ch- or, you know, children's animation or whatever. Um, the fact that he starts out, like he started out and, uh, Eric, you, you saw more to him than we did, but Arlo and I, and I think probably a lot of people were like, God, please just, just pitch this kid overboard. And he grew into the character he was by the end. Um, that is, that's just mind blowing. Um, this is a character who, we find out later through flashbacks, he started out like he grew up in a horrible family. He had nothing but negative uh, role models, except for Iroh, who wasn't really around that much. But like he, he had no positive role models in his life. And yet he still was a good kid because the whole reason he ends up uh, being banished in the first place, uh, or, you know, is because he stands up to his father in that war meeting. They, they're going to sacrifice a bunch of uh, innocent people in order to win a battle. And, and he speaks up and says, that's not right. You can't do that. They, those are innocent people. They don't deserve that. And uh, so even from the very beginning, Zuko was a good kid and he goes through, he goes through hell. He suffers child abuse. We talk a lot about how Avatar, the last airbender featured an element of, of genocide to it. And, uh, I, I don't know if we talked enough about the fact that one of the main, at least one of the main characters, um, suffered pretty significant, uh, like child abuse from, from a parent. Um, so yeah, just watching him struggle with that and struggle to do the right thing. And then the, for me, the turning his back on Iroh, uh, you're right, was devastating, but it really broke my heart when he finally stood up to his father and then went to track down the avatar. And when he shows up at the Western air temple and is trying to convince, and we know that he's changed. We know he's finally on the side of the angels and team avatar is not willing to take him in just yet. That was the moment that tore my heart out. So what is, what is Zuko? Hello, Zuko here. What was his? (laughs) Yeah. Something like that. It was like, yeah, I think it was. Hello, Zuko here. (laughs) <laughs> that was classic uh, alright so ask me at the end of the show and that list will all be different except Zuko he'll always be, always be at the top so let's do was, should we do least we favorite were very, we, were very, we were very close on on those lists I found it, it was, we were close enough that I found the, the margins like the ones that were a little different very interesting yeah, yeah it is interesting to see how you know what what character traits we favor our oh, least favorite oh this is i bet this is gonna be the same across the board <laughs> i don't know i may i may shock you guys but arlo you you take it you're first um my eric i think i know who you're thinking we're all gonna pick but just like we predicted we were all gonna pick zuko i might be the outlier here um my number one least favorite is the swamp benders as a collective <laughs> Why did I not see that coming? Oh, man. Fuck the Swamp Benders. Those goddamn <laughs> Duck Dynasty assholes. 
Yeah, I, 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 I hate these swamp benders. Man, even no when all, even when all is said and done, they have not, they've not risen in your estimation at all, huh? No. Okay. <laughs> wow. All right, Eric, what have you got for us? Are you going to surprise us? I don't know how I'm going to surprise you, but I'm just going to say that I, I put together a conference call and I don't want this character on it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, yes, my least favorite character is Unalak. Um, this is difficult because Zhao exists. Yes, and, I wondered if that was going to be the surprise. And I really hate Zhao. I really hate Zhao. The difference is, is that I hate Zhao in ways that the show mostly intends for me yeah. to hate. Um Unalak, the problem with Unalak is Unalak actually ruins a potentially interesting story by being so murky. It's not just that he's a bad character. Season two, as I said many times when we were watching it, sets up phenomenal stuff later in the series. You can't imagine Korra without the world, the table flip that season two gives us. Mm-hmm. It's, it is the, the change that drives the rest of the series. And yet, at the heart of it is this giant asterisk and that asterisk is Unalak, who is so boring that the show made fun of how terrible he was in season four. So not only was he bad, he basically tanked an entire season of the show that had otherwise interesting stuff in it. So fuck you, Unalak. <laughs> yeah, I would say honestly, I, I would honestly, say the only reason you're right. Unalak is a much more damaging character than yeah. the Swamp Benders. Um, the only reason he wasn't on my list is because of zombie conference call Unalak. <laughs> oh, jeez. Um, conference call. It is a, it's a fair point that Unalak did serve one amazing purpose. Yes. <laughs> okay, so I, um, I'm glad that you stuck to your guns on that, Eric, and and uh, and kept Unalak because I had Unalak, and I crossed him off. Unalak would be my my number one and a half least favorite character. <laughs> and I hadn't thought of it this way, but I think Arlo's got a point. Maybe it's the, the phone tree. Uh, Unalak is the reason that he gets bumped down. So I don't know if this is going to shock you guys. My least favorite character, um, at, at least at the moment thinking about it is King Boomy. Ooh. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Um, not because the character didn't do important things and didn't, you know, play a significant role in the development of Aang and all that stuff. Um, but just because I really couldn't fucking stand him anytime he was on camera. I think we talked about this when we discussed the episode, uh, Return to Amashu, or uh, King of Amashu, excuse me. Um, that uh, the show, I think maybe at that point, the show had just started to demonstrate that it wasn't always going to be kind of a goofy kid show. And then that we, sounds right. And then we get King Boomy, who is, and that whole episode and that character is the most ridiculous, cartoonishly uh, Nickelodeon character in the entire run of Avatar or Korra. Um, yeah, I don't. I'm not a fan of King Boomy. I don't like him at all. It's unfortunate. All right. It is unfortunate that uh, one of Aang's children uh, bears his name. <laughs> <laughs> but that Boomy was so much better. If he was Boomy. Boomy 2.0 was a vast improvement over uh, the original series Boomy. But... Honestly, you guys, I love the fact that we each picked a different character. Me too. And I mean, it was that was surprising. I really thought there would be a lot more convergence on that. So good. 
a lot job, more harmonic convergence. <laughs> God damn you. <laughs> uh, that was excellent. Yeah. Um, that was awesome. Arlo, you're next on the docket here, but I'm going to I'm going to oh, jump yeah. in and throw uh, some trivia and quotes first before oh, you Oh man. Do oh shit. All right. So so remind me where Losing, are we? I'm down one. Yeah, where are we? What are you on, uh, Arlo? You're on Arlo, you get trivia now cuz I the last thing I want was a trivia question. Okay. Trivia for Arlo. Let's pick out a hard one. No. <laughs> um all right. Number 6. Who is the only primary member of either Team Avatar to never have any on-camera romance? Hmm. So, Team Avatar, is this including both series? Yes, of either either Team Avatar, yeah. Okay. Um, so... And there may, be, there may be wiggle room on this. I don't know. Sokka had Suki. Mm-hmm. Uh, Aang Katara. Um, Korra, Mako, Bolin, Everybody. Asami. Yeah. Toph is the answer, right? It is. Okay. That's a, that is, that is a, tr- I, I take issue with this question. <laughs> Why is that? Uh, Arlo deserves the point because it was the answer to the question you gave, but we got Toph romance in the rift. That That's true. That's why I said there might be some wiggle room, but. I was going to say it was Zuko. Honestly, who never had any on-screen romance. No, but he had May. Oh, he did. He had May. I forgot about May. That's uh, right. Me ended up with May. I was thinking earlier on, but he did end up with May. No, yeah, I guess Top, and, is, Top is the closest. But like I said, I think that they all basically did in the end. But I just but you did say I was camera. just flipping through. You said camera. Yeah, I said on camera, which, I mean, I, I would have allowed the, the riff stuff. But while I was looking for trivia stuff and quotes and all that, I was flipping through the comics and in the rift. Yes, there was the sort of implied romance between her and that character whose name I can't remember. Not Haru. That was that was Katara got with Haru. But um, anyways, I can't remember his name. Uh, but nothing ever comes of it. Like they they never kiss. They never like they never officially date. There's just the sort of uh, unresolved sexual tension between the two of them. So anyways, give Arlo right. the point. Point Arlo. No, totally. No, that was deserved. I, I took issue with the question, not Arlo getting it right. So just to be clear. Yeah, Paul, okay. you fucking. Well, that, that is why there are no prizes involved here, because <laughs> some of these I may have messed up on. But all right. So, all right. It's, it's quote time. Quote time. 21. Oh, Eric, you get an easy one. I'd like to spend my vacation at the library. Wow. Actually, this is a hard one for me. You want, you, do you want to phone a friend? No, no. I just want you to say it one more time, and if I don't get it when you do it, then I'm... All right. I'd like to spend my vacation at the library. Yeah, I don't know this one. Arlo? Giles. No, uh, it, was, uh, it, was, it was Sokka, right? It was Sokka, yes. Wow. In the episode The Library. They all got to, to pick places on the map to go for vacations, and when it was Sokka's turn, he's like, I'd like to go to the library. Wow, I I um legitimately don't remember that. So uh, there we go. We're tied back up. Sweet. Ooh. All right, Arlo, it's your time to shine now. All right, I am next up on the docket. All right, you guys, since you were the fight masters on this show, 
you're the you're the ones who really like seem to know the ins and outs, the minutia of combat. I'm going to give you five matchups, one character versus another character, and I want you to give me your expert opinions on who would win this matchup. So, first of all, starting off with a really tough one, you guys. The first one is the Cabbage Merchant <laughs> versus Shiro Shinobi. Oh, go! Wow, hey, who's Shiro Shinobi? The radio announcer. He, yeah, he's he's the newscaster. Oh guy. yeah, yeah. Okay, man. Uh, okay, I like right, I, I like that one. I like that one. I, I've got an answer on this one. All right. Well, uh, are we are we doing these individually, or do we get to confer? Like, it, are we a team? It it, it can be a free for all. All right, we're going to have a quick discussion on this. So, uh, I, Paul, I'm going to make my case here. Okay, okay. And then we'll see if we come to dis- – uh, so my my answer is Shiro Shinobi wins this fight for mm-hmm. two very important reasons. One is the Cabbage Merchant is despairingly unlucky. Something's going to go wrong for him. It's not about skill. Yes. Nothing goes right for the Cabbage Merchant. The second reason is Shiro Shinobi survived the Equalist, shutting him down on air. This is a guy with some steel. Shiro Shinobi. I I can't fault your logic on either of those. I think uh, I I think I agree with that. So, all right, I, I, I bow to Sifu Sipple. All right, Shiro Shinobi uh, wins it. All right, next one is Sokka versus Bolin. Oh, this one's so mean, and uh, it means Paul's no. got to go because this is two of his favorite characters on the list. <laughs> Paul, you got to make your case first. God, all right, so let's think about this. Your, your first thought is Bolin is the bender, Sokka's not. But that was the whole point of the character of Sokka is you don't have to be a bender to survive in this damn world. Uh, I'm becoming an equalist all of a sudden. Uh, so we see Sokka. Sokka is the man with the plan. He is uh, He's really gifted at coming up with uh, strategy. Bolin is not a strategist by any stretch of the imagination. Uh, Bolin has heart and his fancy lava bending. Um, does Sokka get to have his space sword? Um, I mean, I when I think Sokka, I think uh, Boomerang. Okay. But I mean, he did have the space sword for a while, didn't he? Yeah. I, it doesn't matter. Well, even even with just the uh, even with the boomerang, um, I think. I think I'm gonna give it to Sokka for his for his ability to tr- strategize. I think he would uh, be able to cower <laughs> behind uh, behind things while uh, Bolin was throwing rocks and making pools of lava uh, and come up with uh, a plan. He'd spot Bolin's weakness, which I'm uh, not sure what that is. But I I agree, Paul. I think and I think there's another aspect of this, which is while they are both extremely sweet people, Bolin could never go for the final blow on Sokka. Yeah. Sokka has it in him to boomerang Bolin in the head if he has to, I think. There's just a little more of an yeah. edge to Sokka. He was a hunter for his people. He, Sokka is not a mean person or a killer by any stretch of the imagination, but Bolin hesitates where Sokka wouldn't, and Sokka's the better strategist, so I'm, I'm with you. It's a tough one, but I think Sokka takes it. Yeah. Okay. See, I like to think that 
Sokka versus Bolin is like one of those classic superhero team ups where they like like Bolin wanders into Sokka's neighborhood and there's a wacky misunderstanding and they beat each other into submission. But then they realize that they have a lot in common. They share the same goals and they team up. And uh, take on whatever uh, whatever bad Boonalock. guys. And they, they would totally take that. <laughs> yeah, Boonalock. And then they, they finish out the night at a noodle bar. That's right. That's right. Do, how, how much – what I want to ask you, though, the important question is, how much would Sokka love Nuktuk of Hero of Oh, South? my God. <laughs> <laughs> that would be his favorite thing. Oh, he, he would be the, the uh, president of the Nuktuk fan club. He no. would cosplay as Nuktuk. Yes. Yes, he would. Okay, the next matchup we have is Fire Lord Ozai oh. versus Zaheer. Ooh. Oh. Uh, oh, man, this is a good one. Um, I think I've got a pretty – I think – I mean, Eric, you go. What do you think? No, I mean, actually, I'm gonna, I'm, if you have a thought, I'm, I'm really on the fence here. I want to I wanna hear a case. I uh, – I'm going to go with Zaheer on this one because um, from everything we saw of Ozai, he was not like a, a super powerful firebender. The only reason he was was because of Sozin's Comet. Um, so uh, unless this battle takes place uh, during Sozin's Comet, um, he would just be presumably an, an accomplished, a skilled, but not a supernaturally powerful firebender. Whereas Zaheer is like peak of the peak level of airbenders for whatever reason we've discussed how mysterious this might be but again um, that's all you have to do in prison is get jacked okay right he he uh he jacked his air while he was in prison <laughs> um well that's um, a different uh, that was not different... i was i think i think oh man i don't want this to go any further <laughs> um also also i think zaheer is um a little bit of the Sokka factor here, whereas here I think is better at strategy. Uh, Sozin seemed more uh, maniacal and unhinged. Um, like I think most of the strategy involved in uh, Ozai's campaign was probably handled by other people. He was just the, the overpowering figurehead, whereas Zaheer is super intelligent and super jacked. So I, I'm agreeing, Paul, actually. And I, I would add another layer into this, which is the mental game. Which is no one loves, no one fetishizes the Air Nation more than Zaheer. Mm -hmm. Sozin white, sorry, um, Ozai's people wiped out the Fire Nation. Yeah, the Air, and, Air, the Air Nation, Air Nomads. The Air Nation, the Air Nomads, and and Ozai's a dictator. So he hits Zaheer. Oh yeah, yeah. Both yeah. on the Anarchy front and on the wiping out the Air Nomads front. Yeah. So no one wants to win this more than Zaheer, and Ozai is ruthless in that crazy person kind of way zaheer is ruthless in that focused serial killer kind of way <laughs> and and i think zaheer also zaheer can fly without sozin's comet yeah so um i think that zaheer supermans the, the living hell now, now i want to see the movie that. zaheer portrait of serial killer <laughs> uh with michael rooker as zaheer yeah yeah oh my yeah. god actually that's pretty good yeah um, so basically the takeaway is Ozai is kind of a bitch. Like yeah, without yeah. his, without his army of people, he's basically nothing. Yeah. 
And I'll bet Zaheer is pissed off that he wasn't around and didn't get an opportunity to, to bitch slap Ozai. Like, right, I bet he right. looks back because of all the stuff Eric just mentioned. I'll bet he's like, man, if only I had been there. <laughs> right. Okay, so our next matchup is a tough one. Uh. It's Avatar Aang versus Avatar Korra. Go. Brutal. I mean, I knew this one was coming. I, I, can I take this one? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just to start off, I'm going to make my case, which is, I mean, it's Korra. I don't even know. I don't even know. I don't even know how how to say this. That's your case. Well, well, I mean, so there's a lot of this. One is Aang was never the combat Mm -hmm. avatar. Mm -hmm. Um, He was always fairly weak at at combat, Um, a little hesitant. He was good at tricks and good at some stuff. And obviously he got harder when he was an adult. So we will consider Aang at the peak of his skill when he does this. But um, Aang was a very good avatar, but combat is not his specialty. Also, um, Korra, not only being a pretty badass avatar when it comes to combat, is also a metal bender, which Aang had no special skills beyond energy bending, which Korra knows. So power-wise, they're pretty equal, and Korra's just a puncher, man. Yeah. Uh, It's, it's, she would, she would talk to Aang very, very, um, very emphatically at the end of their fight and would not hurt him, but she would pound him into the ground i think i i completely agree i mean the metal bending is a good point i hadn't even thought of the energy bending but you're right it cancels it out because cora's got that too um but like my the reason i would favor cora is because with or without um bending with or without being the avatar with or without going into the avatar state cora is naturally a fighter that's just who she is whether, whether she had bending or was ever the avatar she always would have been a fucking mma fighter um, I think she's just got the the physicality and the the combat men, combat mentality um, that she would have the edge over Aang. And did Aang have to face anything near the Rogues Gallery that Korra did? Look, I, look at the people Korra had to run through to get to survive her series. Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, I, I love Aang, but this is definitely he's on the wrong battlefield right now. Okay, I can respect that choice. All right, the final matchup, you guys. I don't even know how you're going to be able to answer this one. The final matchup is Zombie Unalak <laughs> versus the Dick Owl. <laughs> well, how, why do we have Zombie Unalak? <laughs> he's, he's the conference call Unalak. It wasn't Zombie Unlock, though. It was Zombie Amon. Oh, oh, yeah, that's right. It was Zombie Amon. Shit. Yeah. Wow, you bombed it, man. Well, I assumed that... Because didn't Unalak died, too? I'm just saying that we're going off Varric's story. It was Zombie Amon. Okay. But, All right. How do you, want, how do you want to adjust it? Do but you we'll... want to make it Zombie Amon, or do you want to make it just Phone Tree Unalak? It's Phone Tree Unalak. Phone, phone Tree Unalak. <laughs> Versus the Dick Owl. So we're really kind of going off like ludicrous, but um, movie version of Unlock versus Dick Owl. All right, I like this. Right. I like this. <laughs> I have an. I have an. I, I think this is. I think this is clear. But I'm curious. I, this, I think it's so clear. I want to hear Paul's take on this to see if it actually is. Um. All right. To try and be serious for just a second, Unlock did one thing. Unlock had going for him was his ability to. 
I don't, did, what did we ever call it? His ability to calm the spirits or whatever, that the weird glowy waterbending thing that he did that uh, turned dark spirits back into light spirits. Um, I can't, I can't remember if that ever got a name or if we ever called it anything, but uh, that is a thing that he had. I don't know if that would be effective against uh, Wan Shi Tong, the dick owl, um, because like Wan Shi Tong isn't a dark spirit. He's just a spirit. So um, I'm going to give it to, I'm going to give it to Wan Shi Tong uh, because he's uh super scary and has a long neck. I don't know. Help me out here, Eric. What, what do you say? I'm, I am. I'm going to go with, um, with Wan Chi Tong as well. Um, although the, the spirit control thing is good and Unalak did actually corrupt spirits. Although I think that was largely with Batu's help. So, mm-hmm. and Wan Chi Tong is just such an astounding dickhead that I, I don't know. I mean, you just gotta like, you gotta give it, give the edge to the, the, the asshole. In the room, I mean, Unalak was like, he barely knew what his own plan was. I don't know what his plan was. Unalak didn't know what his plan was. He wanted to become a dark avatar. Meanwhile, the dark Wan- avatar. Oh my Wan- god, I love it. <laughs> Wan Chi Tong would have just would have just gotten someone else to kick his ass. <laughs> have his fox spirits kick his ass? Yeah, I gotta give it to Wan Chi Tong. If nothing else, I cannot. Maybe we're just being biased. I cannot give a fight to Unalak. But, <laughs> but I. But that said. The conference call that follows up him getting his ass kicked by a spirit owl was would probably be the best um, uh, <laughs> terror square uh, phone call of all time. Oh man! Oh, I love it. I Good love job! It. You, Those are great. Those are great. And, and you know, Unalak would totally like be calling the dick owl like at all hours of the night after his defeat. <laughs> yes, drunkenly. <laughs> Oh, Jesus. Oh, well, there you go. That's my contribution to the rap party. I'm, I'm glad the Dick Owl could make an appearance again on the show. <laughs> oh, the Dick Owl. I know his name. I, I don't recognize it, though. <laughs> um, all right. So here's a question. So all three of us. Well, let me let me amend that. One of us here is actually a writer. Uh, the other two of us are eh, kind of writers. We're, we're people who have written. Um so I, I want to ask if if any of us feel like our work, any of this, the, the stuff that we have written or are writing or plan to write, has been in any way influenced by either or both of these shows. Man, this is a tough question to answer because the couple things that I've started writing like since I've watched Avatar have been so completely different mm-hmm. from it. Um, I'm, I'm going to say, I'm sure that because I do love these shows so much, I'm sure that I will carry lessons of like their plot construction and the way they mingle the political and the philosophical with, uh, with all of this action. I'm sure I'll carry that with me. But as of now, I'm going to say no, because for me, I mean, as you guys know, whenever we talk about fights and we're about to in a minute, um, I am completely at a loss. I always see that to you guys. Avatar and Korra are very much the kind of shows I love, but not the kind of shows I think I could write. So for me personally, 
Uh, there hasn't been any direct influence yet, but like I said, there are lessons that I've learned from Avatar and Korra that I'm sure will just be part of my my DNA from now on. Uh, I want to go next since, uh, Eric, you might be the only one of us who has actually like written significant amount of stuff uh, post-Avatar and Korra. Um, I'm... I'm back into, uh, I'm starting to get back into attempting to write various things. And uh, I feel like one of the things I'm attempting to write uh, involves a, a very sort of lighthearted um, devil may care kind of character, um, which is the first time I've ever tried to, to uh, write a character like that. I've, I've had characters like that in role-playing games, but considering the fact that I'm, I'm, currently struggling with depression uh it is difficult for me to wrap my head around a character who like just always looks on the bright side of life um and so i don't think consciously when i sit down to work on this character i'm not intentionally thinking of Sokka and bolin but i certainly feel like the the kind of goofy uh you know pure-hearted good-natured attitude of those two characters is probably inevitably going to filter into anything that i do Eric. All right. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, to a certain degree, this is this is the case with me too. I mean, um, Korra in an Avatar sort of like hit me in similar ways to some of the other things like anime that I've watched, but also in, in some unique ways about the way that it it works on things. Um, I can say that there's a couple of things more explicitly that I want to take out of Korra and Avatar um, going forward from here, and actually one of them is from Korra, which is that it is very possible to make your main character, your protagonist, the most interesting person in an epic story. Mm, yeah. um, and Korra is a model of that. And it doesn't matter what type of story you're showing, but there's lessons to take from the writing of Korra uh, versus the writing of Aang, for instance, that tell you, and this is not to say Aang's a bad character, but tell you how to make a, um, a your protagonist the really strong character with the really right character arc so that that is something like intellectually i want to take away from you i want to deconstruct it more and think about that more i can tell though that it's banging around in my head though because you know i'm in the middle of planning a novel right now um it's been a really long process of trying to plan it it's been a really long process of trying to get it together and i was having a conversation with a friend to like work out an idea and an idea um came out actually um that i was like this is really interesting and i'm i can work like this and in my head, I was having this thing where it was like a char- my main character talking, like interacting with a character in prison. And I was like, oh, I think that some weird echo of Korra meeting Zaheer just came out of my head. Um, so obviously the, the imagery is in there and it's, there's nothing similar about the, what's going on. But like some echo heck went into my, my, my like brain and heart and echoed back out. So what that tells me is that Korra and Avatar are in there and will probably um, – find their way out in, in filtered ways through the rest of my writing career. Awesome. Okay. Time for more trivia. Yeah. All right. So it's, um, it's trivia time for me and quote time for Arlo. So Arlo gets a quote. All right. Give me a quote. Who said it? I probably don't know. All right. Let's see. Why didn't anyone tell us we have a secret prison we could have been throwing people in? Mm, I remember this line. 
shit. Oh fuck. Um, I think is it? Um, it's either Eska or Desna. It it was Eska. Eska. Okay, yeah. I said his name first, so I get the point. Her. That was the her. Girl. Fuck. I don't care. I don't care which one's which. Doesn't, wow. Doesn't does he get it? Does he get it when he gets it? When he, he actually is naming the wrong character. Tran- transposes I, I genders. Yeah. I don't know. It's uh. It's uh. It's the Aubrey Plaza one. Yes. There we go. Boom. That is, I that win. is correct. All right. So, point for yes. Arlo. All right. Back to trivia. Arlo might be getting ahead on this one. I I wouldn't have gotten that quote, so that's good. Oh man. Okay. No, this is an easy one. Who first introduced us to chi blocking? Oh, that would be um, Ty Lee. There you go. I was for, I was briefly worried because I remembered you had a hard time remembering Ty Lee's name. <laughs> so as soon as I said, oh, this is an easy one, I was like, oh, crap. I may have just jinxed him. But no, you got it. All right. I don't think I would have gotten that one. So what's the score now, like 8 to 8? <laughs> 16 <laughs> to yeah. nothing. We're still, we're, we are still tied up. We are still tied up. Uh, all right. Seriously, though, how, how many points? I don't know. It's 3-3. Three, 3-3, three. Three, three? okay. Like I guessed half an hour ago? <laughs> Sweet. Uh, all right, guys. This is, uh, this is probably a dumb question to ask. Because I think it's entirely possible we've already addressed this. But which of the two series do you prefer and why? The Legend of Korra is the one I prefer. And it really amazes me that I say that just because I loved Avatar so much, but the great thing that Korra does is that it takes that same world, does not violate the spirit of it, um, continues that spirit, continues on with the same spirit, but manages to deepen it in every respect. Um, It might not have like the grand uh, Star Wars adventure uh, of uh, Avatar, but it does have like it deepens the characters it deepens uh, including the characters of avatar because we get to learn more about all of them um it uh, deepens again like the socio-political realities of that world it deepens the philosophy it really challenges all of our assumptions and beliefs about uh the avatar um and, and bending and I, yeah, it, it's the very rare sequel or spin-off series that actually manages to enrich the experience of watching the original. And yeah, honestly, I think um, I will say Korra has the weakest book of any of the seasons. Book two of Korra is easily because <laughs> I know we had problems with book two of Avatar, but he, that had some really great stuff in it. Not that there wasn't good stuff in Korra book two, but it's, it was easily the roughest road of all of them, but it managed to come back from that with two fantastic seasons. Um, yeah. I, I think Korra is my, my preferred of the two shows. Eric, you want me to go or you want to go? Why don't you go? Why don't you go? Uh, I, this is kind of, I'm, I'm waffling. I was waffling even as I was asking the question. So I'm a little bit surprised, but I think I'm actually going to mirror what Arlo just said. Uh, I feel like the three books of Avatar had a, a pretty steady progression. Um, I mean, yeah, we, you're right, Arlo. We did complain about uh, book two, although I think you guys had more problems with book two than I did. But uh, book two was definitely 
week. But on the whole, it had three books, and for the most part, it was an upward progression uh, as far as story quality went. Um, Korra felt more uneven, and maybe that's because it had an extra season in, mixed in there, um, and because Avatar had the advantage of it was conceived as three books initially. They knew the beginning, middle, and end of their story, whereas Korra was meant to be just that first season. Uh, and they sort of got the the second season. Uh, they got the rest of it tacked on, and they weren't expecting to. So, um, but even with all of that, uh, I completely agree with with you, Arlo, that uh, it manages to um, exist in the same world as the original series, uh, advance that world, and not fuck up anything. Like it doesn't it doesn't uh, retroactively ruin anything that happened in the first series. Uh, despite the fact that we don't get enough Sokka. That almost does it. Um, but, yeah, and uh, maybe it's, like Eric said earlier, maybe it's because we're coming fresh off of uh, Korra, but the the third and fourth books of Korra, um, taken as a whole, they were separate seasons, but they're kind of, they were kind of one story. Taken as a whole, it was goddamn extraordinary. Um so yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna give it to Cora. I don't know who I am anymore. <laughs> wow, that's that's maybe the biggest surprise of this entire thing is is not only did you come out loving Cora, but then I mean, you didn't before, but that that's how much you came out loving Cora. Yep. Well, there's no surprise what I'm gonna answer. It's Cora, <laughs> and there's really not a whole lot of reasons I can give that people haven't said. The big thing for me is that I love both series, but but. Korra as a series owns my heart. It's it speaks to me on a really personal level. Its themes just really get at me. It has um, the perfect mix of like of drama and and character rivalries. I mean, like you know, Avatar has the Zuko um, Azula rivalry, and somehow Avatar managed Korra manages to build up multiple versions of of like character rivalries that really get me i mean like almost all of the big bads when lock aside there's like no nothing you want more than for core to kick their ass by the end of the series and 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 for different personal reasons every single time uh, the villains are fascinating you have multiple layers of villains everything about the cora is the, the i mean cora is the unfair thing where they did something amazing in avatar learned all the right lessons from it and got to refine it in cora and to also do something more mature that they would have never gotten to do on Nickelodeon the first time around. Only because Avatar was a success did they get to make Korra. So Korra doesn't exist without Avatar. It's not a matter of bashing Avatar at all. It's just that, like I said, Korra owns my heart. It is, it's, it's there. It's one of those series. It's like Angel, where it's some of it's logic, but some of it is just that I feel it. Yeah. Fair enough. All right. Wow! Nice. I, I'm I'm surprised that uh, that all of us picked Cora. So am I. I'm surprised I picked Cora. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, that's like you really. This podcast really is like you can chart your your journey, Paul, as you you grew as I, a person. Yeah. I mean, I I totally agree. I I re- even as we were going through it, I was like, I don't know, I don't know, man. I. <laughs> I still might favor Avatar. I really think it was discussing with you guys the intricacies of uh, books three and four of Korra. Like, yeah. I think even just revisiting, which I, I know for a fact, even just revisiting, because I had watched Korra uh, more than once, but 
you know, just revisiting Korra again, um, maybe I would have appreciated it more, but I, I don't know if it would have toppled Avatar. But talking about it the way we did as we were watching it, I think that really helped settle it for me. So, yeah. Man, all right, I need a drink. Um, so, now that we've done that, now that we've discussed uh, which of the series we prefer and why, um, let's do another list, because we all love lists. Oh, yeah. I, I, I'm excited about this list. I think there's going to be more variation this time than last time, but we'll I, see. I, I think there might be. So, this time, we're going to pick um, our... Top five favorite. I need. I want to stress favorite, not best. Our top five favorite and our one least favorite chapters from across the series. Again, this is an Arlo special. I would have done five from each show. Arlo wants us to do five from the entire saga. So that's because right. Of, because of that, because you're such a son of a bitch, you get mm-hmm. to go first, Arlo. Oh yeah. All right. So. Uh, my fifth favorite chapter of the Avatar universe is The Legend of Korra, Book 3, Chapter 6, Old Wounds. Nice. Um, yeah. Well, this is a good choice. I, this was a, a, a very good choice. Yeah, one of my favorite things about Korra is the, the Beifong family drama. Because I did love Toph so much, and both of her kids, Lin and Su Yin, are super interesting. And I loved any time that we got to learn more about how Toph raised them and you know their, their conflict. And especially, there is an absolutely fantastic fight scene between... Uh, Sue and Lynn in this episode that is, I mean, it's just a great fight to to begin with, but it's also the emotional stakes are very real and and you, you feel them. And so, yeah, this, this, I think this is a fantastic episode because it's, it's just a super emotional, thrilling episode. My number four favorite chapter is The Legend of Korra, Book 3, Chapter 13, Venom of the Red Lotus. Uh, this is the uh, third season finale of Korra. It's the one where uh, they take on the Red Lotus. Korra gets chained up and poisoned, which has uh, terrible consequences for her for almost the rest of the series. Um, the f- This is one of the more intense chapters in the Avatar saga. The battle... Uh, with the Red Lotus is just absolutely insane. I mean, it's the it's Team Avatar taking on the Brotherhood of Evil Benders. And um, though I think it was in the previous episode, the one where I, I, I the, the moment where uh, Pali gets killed, yeah, is just still one of the the more shocking episodes or one of moments in the series. Um, yeah, this is just a really this is like a textbook example of a great season finale. It perfectly caps everything that was wonderful about book three and leads us beautifully into the final book of the series. Nice. So number three is Avatar The Last Airbender, Book Two, Chapter Seven, Zuko Alone. This is your what? Number three? Number three. It's my number three as well. Nice, nice. I mean, does it surprise anyone that this episode is on my list? I really seriously considered 
being a massive cheat it was having my number one pick be the zuko show <laughs> like all all of the significant story moments and episodes of zuko together but i didn't i didn't go that route i decided to be fair uh zuko alone is just it, it's an incredible showcase for prince zuko as he wanders into a small earth kingdom town uh you know he, he bonds with the family there and when they realize who he is, these people that um, had accepted him for who he really was completely reject him. And it's it's a very moving, affecting, uh, sad episode, and it's very much like a, a, a Western in style. Um, it, yeah, it's just a great standalone episode and one of the one of the highlights of what I like to call the Zuko show. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, speaking of the Zuko show, uh, my second favorite chapter is Avatar, the last airbender book Two, chapter 20, the crossroads of destiny. Like venom of the red Lotus. It's just a great season finale that um, emphasizes and perfectly plays out all of the themes the season had been building toward. But also, it's because, Eric has already talked about it, that absolutely brutal moment where Zuko turns on Iroh. That is one of the hardest to watch things I've ever seen uh, in, in any medium. It's just absolutely devastating because we've gotten to this point where this with this character where we believe that he you know he has grown he has changed and he's sort of manipulated into going back to his old ways and completely uh, betraying a person that he loves the person who is there for him by far more than anyone else. Um, so yeah, it, it's a great season finale for many reasons. There's some great fight scenes in that episode, but. Th- that's why it ranks so high because of that absolute gut punch. All right. Uh, my favorite chapter of the avatar saga is avatar. The last airbender book three chapters, 18 through 21. Yes. Sozin's comet parts one through four. So you and I, I have the same three and one. Nice. Um, I mean, avatar is, so I know that I just mentioned, I prefer the legend of Korra. Avatar makes up more of my chapters list, and, and I think that's that shows the different strengths of the shows because Korra was much more serialized, even though Avatar – it was a serialized show, and it had one overarching plot the whole time. It had a lot more episodes in general. The season orders were longer, and so it uh, at times was a lot more episodic than Korra ever was. So I think it really excelled at the, <clears throat> excuse me, the individual chapters, which isn't to say Korra didn't, but Korra was a much better serialized show. Um, and also, I think Avatar is the very rare show whose series finale is its strongest moment. Yeah. Um, Sozin's Comet is just, it's an absolute, um, you know, it's, it's a 90-minute action-packed blockbuster movie. It's just absolutely incredible. It has one of the most moving moments in the entire Avatar saga, which is the fight between 
uh, Zuko and Azula, which is set to absolutely incredible music by, um, it was Jeremy Zuckerman and uh, his partner's name was, hold on, I'm going to find it, uh, Benjamin Wynn. Wynn, huh? <clears throat> And that music was just completely stunning. Um, and it's such a heartbreaking scene because Zuko doesn't want to do it. And yeah, it's, it's, it's another brutal moment. And Sosin's comet manages to give every single character a fitting, uh, send off. They each get to have a, a great final moment. And I mean, Avatar may have been for the most part, a much more black and white show than Korra, but there's something to be said for, again, a huge grand star Wars style adventure that ends with a good triumphing over evil and, showing optimism for the future um and that optimism you know we get to see the reality of it in cora <laughs> but um yeah in the ending promise on that, in the oh, promise it, oh you're right in the promise immediately it gets it becomes brutal once more but sozin's comet is just incredible stuff honestly one of the better series finales i've ever seen uh from any show so that is why sozin's comet is my favorite chapter of the Avatar saga. I'll tell you Excellent. what, uh, Eric, if you don't have a problem with it, I'll go next just because two of mine exactly mirrored Arlo. I right, go for it. Go for it. I, I only have one episode of overlap with Arlo. Okay. okay. Not nothing in the action and actually nothing in the same place. So this will be interesting, but go, go. Okay. I'll be at, I'll be last. Um, again, the caveat that, uh, this list, I, I set out to make my top five. I actually have a list of 13 here. <laughs> So these could shift back and forth uh, all day long. But uh, for the moment, what I'm settled on is my number five pick uh, is Avatar, the Legend of Avatar, uh, Avatar, the Last Airbender, book one, chapter 13. Uh, actually, I'm reading the wrong number. That's my number six. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Avatar, the Last Airbender, book two, chapter six, The Blind Bandit. Um I mean, there's, I don't have to say an awful lot about this. This is the introduction of uh, Toph, which is that by itself is enough uh, to put this on the list as far as I'm concerned. But um, it's, it's not the best Toph that we ever get, but it is one of my favorite character introductions um, with the whole um, uh, Earth Rumble 6 or whatever the hell that, that wrestling competition was that she was in. And it had great Sokka moments with him in the audience uh, uh, as he was, you know, cheering for the boulder. And of course it had the great line of the boulder is conflicted about fighting a blind girl. Um, <laughs> I mean, all, all of that shit is just fucking gold. Um, and yeah, one of, one of my favorite character introductions throughout the entire series. Uh, it just established who the hell Toph is like straight away. And uh, we got the ridiculous family drama or, you know, we, we got to see what a horrible family situation she had in that episode as well. So, uh, number four is legend of Korra book three, chapter eight, the terror within. Um, and the reason I chose this, this could, I could have gone with, uh, your choice, Arlo, which was remind me old wounds. Yes. Uh, because I did absolutely love the, the tension between Sue and, and Lynn. But the reason I went for this, uh, this is the episode where, um, Zaheer and the red Lotus, uh, attempt to kidnap Korra. Um, it, it's 
it's almost a bottle episode because it all takes place in Zaofu and and 90% of the episode is really about uh, that one moment, the kidnap attempt. And we all know I have a weakness for uh, combat choreography and teamwork. And we, I singled that stuff out in this, when we discussed this episode, Um, I love seeing, uh, I loved the pajama fight um, that happened. I love watching the teamwork between all those characters, Uh, creative use of bending abilities, uh, the desperate save by uh, by Sue and Lynn rappelling down from the the dome, uh, and that's also the episode where we get the uh, I believe, unless I'm mistaken, I'm pretty sure it's the episode where we get the Iway setting off the bomb uh, at the end to get away, um, which was just a beautiful moment. I mean, you could see it coming, but I loved the way that scene was animated with um, with Cora having a split second to figure out how to save her and everybody with her from a massive explosion. Uh, yeah. Anyways, so loved that. Uh, three is uh, Zuko alone, which I'm not sure I could add much to what you just said, Arlo, other than to uh, point out that when we discussed it before, um, we hang on. Let me find my notes here. Make sure I'm thinking of the right thing. Yeah, so when we talked about Zuko alone, we were we compared it to some classic westerns, um, the Shane High Noon and the Man with No Name series in particular. And so, any episode that can kind of channel um, the look and feel and attitude of some classic westerns like that has to be on my list. So yeah, <clears throat> and it had a great uh, and an emotionally charged sort of uh, showdown or you know, shoot out at high noon with Zuko and those earthbenders at the end. Now I got to get back to my list. So that was three. Um, Number two is Legend of Korra, book two, chapter 11, Night of a Thousand Stars. Um, Anybody want to take a guess why this makes my list? Uh, because of all the insane Nuktuk shit? Yes, because not only is it Nuktuk, which is one of my favorite things that Korra ever did, um, but it is one of the most incredibly structured sort of uh, fight sequences or whatever, or, or just, you know, conflict resolution moments that we get throughout either series when you've got the attempted kidnapping of President Raiko. Uh, happening in the theater while on the movie screen behind, excuse me, mover screen behind them, the Nuktuk movie is playing and how the action and the dialogue occasionally parallels and the way the camera angles uh, are set up so that you can see Bolin in, in front while Nuktuk is in the background. Just masterfully done. I, I cannot get that episode out of my head. That's also the episode, isn't it? Is that the episode that gave us the song? It might have been. Yeah, it might have been. I can't remember, but it might have been. I can't remember if it was before or not, but anyways. I mean, I I talked earlier about how Korra Book 2 is the weakest of the the whole saga, Mm -hmm. but that was, for me, there were a couple great episodes in that book, but that, for me, was the highlight of that season, and it was was on my long list. It was was definitely in contention. Yeah. And then number one, um, Arlo, uh, this is the one we mirrored on, or one of them we mirrored on with Sozin's Comet. Um, I too had, uh, so my list of five has uh, three Avatar and two Korra uh, chapters on it. But like Arlo said, I, I think um, 
story-wise, seri the serialized storytelling in Korra uh, is the highlight, whereas um, Avatar had a lot of sort of Monster of the Week episodes or standalone episodes, kind of. However, even though the even though the the action sequences in Korra are are arguably better than most of what we get in Avatar, and uh, you know the animation is arguably better than much of what we get in Avatar, the the emotional uh, catharsis that comes in then the ninety minutes of that uh, of those four episodes is second to none throughout. Uh, both series, as far as I'm concerned, every character—I mean, Arlo, you already said this—every character gets their their moment to shine. There, are, there are highs and lows for every single character. I mean, there's a brief period of time where we think we might actually lose Toph. Um, uh, there's the whole fucking uh, Superman battle that Ang. I mean, for the first time, we see Ang completely and fully unleashed, uh, and it's genuinely frightening. Um, and yeah, the uh, the Zuko and and Azula stuff, about which I'm almost positive more will be said later. <laughs> so, top of the list for me, Sozin's comment. Awesome. All right. So I feel like my list is uh, downright quirky. No, not at the top. But there's some. There will be some familiar stuff. Only one familiar thing at the top, but. Ready for some weird stuff? Yes, please. Uh, so this was tough for me um, because um, I really dove into the best chapter thing for the most part, in that I veered away from a lot of a lot of chapters that I love, but that are like payoffs of story. It's not the case for all of them, but I, I lean towards a couple of really solid single episodes mm -hmm. uh, as a result. So my number five choice is probably going to surprise no one when I say it, even though it wasn't on anyone else's list, which was book three, chapter five, The Beach. It's my number yeah. seven. It's my number seven. It's it's a absolutely brilliant episode. There isn't an episode like it in either series. Um, it's the best delving into the um, – I don't even know what Zuko's family's last name is, but that family's trauma – it really dives into. We get a lot of great stuff. It pushes a lot of characters forward. It has beach volleyball, which is a win for me, and for the funniest possible beach volleyball joke around with uh, Azula going completely berserk on wanting to uh, <laughs> destroy the other team and burning down the net in the process. Um, it's heartfelt. It's funny. It's sad. It humanizes Azula. Mm -hmm. there, there's a million things this episode does. Um we make a lot of Angel and Buffy comparisons with these two shows. The Beach is a Buffy episode, and it belongs in Avatar as a result. It's yeah. a standalone, clever concept that pushes its characters forwards. Um, fantastic episode. Um, number four is book two, chapter 15, Tales of Bossing Say. Um, that was my number 10. <laughs> it's... Um, <laughs> Katie Matilla makes my list for two episodes um, I've, as a co-writer also on this, as the writer of The Beach and a co-writer of uh, Tales of Bossing Say. This is just a brilliant concept episode. One of those episodes that's like, how did you get this on the air? Mm -hmm. It's a bunch of little uh, – it's, it's an anthology book in the middle of a story. Book two of – of Avatar is um, the weakest of Avatar itself. It's not the weakest of the overall stuff, but it is the weakest of Avatar in a lot of ways. But it gets really strong at the end and um, 
Bossing, Tales of Bossing Say is one of them. It has a bunch of really brilliant stories. Obviously, the top of that is Iroh's story where we, yeah. I believe, is where we finally get a lot of the background on what happened, what his his sadness really is. We've heard hints of things, but this is the anniversary, I believe, of his son's yeah, yeah. death. Yeah. Um, it's brutal. It's a the yeah, most. Um, there's a lot of other really great stuff. It's full of really great little moments. It's it, it, it's the kind of episode you almost never get in a series, and when you do, it's a delight. And that's the tales of Bossing say. Can can I make one? Can I say one thing about uh, the the Iroh chapter? Yeah. Um, just because this occurred to me earlier today, uh, the the one of the reasons that that was so super supremely sad, so heartbreaking was. Um, obviously for story reasons, uh, it's our, it's beloved uncle Iroh and we're seeing him in as much pain as we have ever seen him in. Um, it is dedicated to the memory of Mako because by the time it aired, Mako had passed away. Um, but also in a way you could think about, so the song he sings is, uh, it's called leaves from the vine and it, uh, features the line, little soldier boy come marching home. That kind of talk, that's almost, if you squint just right, you could imagine that he's singing about Zuko there because Zuko ultimately is kind of the son of Iroh that does manage to come home from the war. That's great. That's great. All right. I'm sorry. Great Carry episode. On. No, it's good. Um, because I apparently live in great chapters in week series, uh, week <laughs> chat, week books, um, my number three choice is from Korra book two, Chapters seven and eight beginnings. Yes. Um, an episode that when it started the first time, I thought there is no fucking way in hell we need the origin of the Avatar. <laughs> I was in the middle of a book that I was not super happy with. This started it and I thought, great, a prequel. Just what we needed in the middle of this book. <laughs> I have never been more wrong, I think, than I was about beginnings, which is delightful and emotional and somehow necessary to knowing the Avatar cycle. Like, getting the origin of the Avatar, which seemed like the stupidest possible thing to explain when it started, feels utterly necessary the rest of Korra. For the rest of Korra, I don't know how you do it without these. It also contains a completely different art style than the rest of the I series. I was going to say, it also features some of the most idiosyncratic and beautiful artwork throughout the entire run. It, it's beautiful, and it has a great story, and whatever success season book two of Korra manages to pull off in its otherwise middling plot, overall plot, is only held up because this, these two chapters give some semblance of meaning to the Rava Fatu story um, through um, Juan. And it also really works because this season is the last we get of the Avatar's history. This is it. Korra's on her own after this. So it's beautiful that we go to the beginning of everything before she loses, basically, the rest. So, no. fantastic, seemingly unnecessary chapters. Brilliant stuff. Um, I get a little more uh, conventional here from here on out. Um, by two, this is my lineup with Arlo. Um, I was wrong. I, I thought this is. I thought I had these in a different order, and I did not. I actually was wrong. I'm looking at my list now. Number two is book two of Avatar, chapter 20, The Crossroads of Destiny. Um, yeah, what can I say that Arlo didn't? It's the most gutting thing in the shows and one of the most gutting episodes of television ever. 
And it does it without a death. It does it without really any physical trauma of any kind to the characters that's really hurting. It does lead to Aang all I was, I was going to say Aang gets that. messed up. <laughs> but but that is, I mean, like, it is, the Aang getting messed up is just sort of like the, like, collateral damage yeah. to what's really going on in this. It, it was, we feel that Zuko is gone forever because Iroh feels like Zuko is gone forever. Yeah, this, this, is the, this is the first time where it looks like Iroh has given up on Zuko. Yeah, it's it's brutal and earned and amazing. And the success of this makes book three work and Zuko's plot work. In fact, the beach works because the Crossroads of Destiny works. So brilliant stuff. Um, my number one choice is in the um, the uh, spirit of your number one choice, but not in it. Uh, not the same, which is Korra book four, chapter 13, The Last Stand. <laughs> Um, this is tough. First of all, it's tough that Sozin's comment didn't make this list. It was brutal for me not to put it on it. I really thought it was going to make the list. Um, but when I started veering towards like, um, I felt like I couldn't have two season finales or series finales on here that felt like I was doing the wrong thing. And when I really started weighing it, the emotional pull of the end of Korra started winning out. Sozin's comment is a giant movie. And maybe that's actually why it pulled off. It's so big and so full of stuff. It almost felt like like cheating a little bit to put it as the. It is not, but it felt like wrong to put it as one chapter, even though it was on this list for a long time. But when I really get down to it, man, those last five minutes of the last stand, beyond the incredible action in the last stand, every closing character moment leading up to a happy Korra. A, a, a peaceful Korra going off into the spirit world with Asami after everything else that happened, plus uh, Mako staying behind to blow up the, the Colossus, mm-hmm. Lin and Suyin taking apart the arm and almost dying, the perfection of Korra and Kuvira's final battle, the perfection of Korra standing in front of the spirit laser to protect Kuvira, Kavira calling for a surrender after Korra talks her down. But after Korra manages what Aang would have never been able to do with Ozai, who is too far gone, that Korra turns her opponent into someone who sees the errors of her ways. I, I, I don't know. There's just so much going on. And it all happens in like 23 minutes. It's an incredible piece of television. I am a sucker for endings. I'm a sucker for closings. This just rips into my heart in all the wonderful ways. It feels... The, like the best catharsis you could ever hope for after the trauma that Cora went through. So the last stand gets my number one choice. Beautiful. I'm glad one of us had it. It would have been fun if we had all had the same number one answer, but it looks like we are not playing that game tonight. <laughs> so I'm glad, uh, I'm glad one of us had Cora on there. All right. We're going to do least favorite now, aren't we? We oh, are. Yeah. Can I, we are. Can I can I go first on this one because I think it may line up, but it, it at least lines up with something else that someone else said earlier. Okay. okay. Yeah. Least favorite chapter matches Arlo's least favorite characters, the swamp. What a <laughs> yes. fucking, what a fucking shit show! Why did this episode <laughs> exist? It is it is it's kind of embarrassing. There are other bad episodes of this of these shows. The show is not perfect. It has a couple of bad episodes. I don't think there's another episode of the show that's embarrassing. And the swamp is embarrassing. <laughs> the only thing that remotely redeems the swamp is that Toph ends up in the swamp later and the swamp is awesome when Toph is in it. That is it. 
That's the closest we get to any meaning for this episode. It's terrible. You, you know, technically, technically, the swamp is Toph's first appearance because Aang gets that vision of the the sort of white spirity girl that's laughing. Um, or, or was it the... Fl- Anyways, there's like a, a winged boar, and I thought there was a little girl, and those were supposed to be precursors of Toph. So technically you could say that was the first appearance of Toph. So that's Except the only we wouldn't. We would not want to sully Toph's legacy by saying that, though, so we won't. <laughs> okay, we won't. Uh, yes, my, my, my least favorite chapter is Avatar The Last Airbender, book two, chapter four, The Swamp. Um, again, <laughs> fuck those <laughs> Duck Dynasty assholes. <laughs> Oh my god, this is great. We don't we don't agree on the number one episode, Arlo. We, we do manage to find <laughs> hatred in the same episode. Man, I wish I wish I had picked Imprisoned as my least favorite. <laughs> oh, you son of a bitch. Um, I did not, so you you dodged a bullet there. Um, my least favorite chapter of all of them, uh, this goes along with uh, my least favorite character from earlier, is uh, Avatar The Last Airbender... Book one, chapter five, the King of Amashu. For all of the reasons that I listed, King Bumi is my least favorite character. Uh, that episode was just patently ridiculous. Um, I don't know. It was. It was. A, I mean, King Bumi was just too freakish and cartoonish for my liking. The fact that uh, Sokka and Katara were imprisoned in rock candy. I don't know. It was. It was just. Yeah. Dumb. Yeah, you're right. Like. Uh, King Boomy and that episode both took like the really great comedic side of Avatar and took it way too far. Yeah, yeah. So I found val I found some value in the swamp. I really didn't find much value in King of Omachi. So I guess Flopsy was cute. What are you gonna say? Flopsy was cute. <sighs> All right. Well, uh, do you want to do uh, another quote and trivia before Eric gets his moment to shine? Sure, let's do it. Yeah, yeah let's do it. All right, where are we? Who's, who's got what? Arlo, are you trivia now? Yes. Okay. All right, random number generator. Give him a good one. Wait, wait, wait. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wait, hold on. Is Arlo trivia? No, Arlo's quote. It was quote oh, okay. last time. Gosh, I don't remember. Oh, I think Arlo. I think Arlo was trivia last time, wasn't he? Because he got the Eska Desna thing. No, was no that, a was, that was a quote. That, that was, was a quote. quote. So it is trivia. You're right. It is trivia. Okay. It's trivia. Wow. All right. Man, this shit is intense. <laughs> um. Here we go. Which of us? Which of us? Meaning the three of us? Oh, was God. the was the first to make an Avatar Buffy reference or comparison? I know what I want to say. Yeah, I'm like, um, is this a trick question or not? Because I, I feel like there's an answer that I would have given to this, but... I'm going to say it was Arlo. It was not. Damn it! It Was Was it me? It was Eric. Eric was the very first person to reference Buffy because he compared Sokka to Xander. Wow. Did you go back hunting? Was this in the first episode? That was in the first episode. This was not one of the questions on my list until I listened until I listened back last night, and I I actually cleared one of my questions to put this one in here. So there you go. Wow, that is really incredibly 
disappointing to me. I, know. I am deeply upset about that. I know. You have such a reputation, and yet Eric beat you to the punch. I know. I know. All right. So that means it's quote time for Sipple. Oh, I'm going to bomb this. Let's do it. No, I... <laughs> All right. So here... This is a bad one. <laughs> I have to decide if I'm actually going to give you this one. Nope. No, we go with it. You you have to. You have to. Yeah. All right. Well... Live and die on this day. Ar- Arlo, <laughs> Arlo, you're not going to be happy that you want me to give him that. God damn it. All right. So the number was 19, and quote number 19 on my list... Yes, we defeated you for all time. You will never rise from the ashes of your shame and humiliation. Fuck, hold on. I know this quote and I'm blanking. Come on now. Come on. Oh my God, here, read it again. Yes, we defeated you for all time. You will never rise from the ashes of your shame and humiliation. Holy fuck, how can I not remember who said this? I know this quote. I'm pretty sure I know it. I'm like I'm this I'm in like like two glasses of wine into this now, so that might be where I'm going wrong here. But, um, <laughs> Do you want you want to phone a friend? Oh, no, wanna... oh, wait, no, it's Azula. It's the it's the it's the volleyball. It's the volleyball thing. Yes, there you go, there you go. You pull it out at nice. the end there from the beach. Yeah, but I was like I was just I don't know why my head was stuck in Cora and I couldn't get out of the Cora thing and it, it just needed a second to break out of it. Yep, there we go. All right. I think uh, Sipple pulls Did you know ahead. That was, you know that's what it was? Did you know that's what it was, Arlo? No, I was thinking it was a line from the Nuck Tuck mover. Oh, man. Well, good. At least, okay. At least I actually got it. At least Arlo wouldn't have gotten it right. That's good. Yeah. All right. All right. That's what I say all the time. Well, at least Arlo wouldn't have gotten this it right. Was, this was my this was my gimme for for my idiosyncratic um, number five episode choice. It's good. All right. <laughs> all right, Eric. You're up. All right. Um, so uh, we're not going to do a whole list here, but um, we have talked endlessly about the fights in the show, the martial arts and the battles and the action is top notch. So um, rather than do a list, we're going to do a top fight. Um, I'm actually going to say a top battle in each of the series. So one for Avatar, one for Korra. Um, we're going to go in that order in Avatar and then Korra. And we're going to go with Arlo first. Because I know this is not Arlo's favorite aspect of the show, but I know he probably has feelings at least about a couple. So um, take it away, Arlo. It's not that it's not my favorite. I mean, it's, I don't know if it would be my favorite aspect of the show. It's just something that I struggle to to talk about. And hopefully by listening to you guys and being a part of this podcast for, I think, Paul said 585 days, mm-hmm. um, I will have... Uh, gain some knowledge and know how to to watch these things and appreciate them even better um but so yeah i'll go first my and i think because of that my favorite fights are the ones that are emotionally you know the most uh the most brutal uh so i would go uh excuse me for avatar my favorite fight is zuko and azula in sozin's comet um I, like I said when I was discussing that episode, it's just a devastating uh, moment. It, it, it's it's beautiful, almost operatic. I I love it. Um, it's a perfect encapsulation of of their relationship. And then my favorite fight from the Legend of Korra also comes in its final episode, uh, Korra versus Kuvira, in. Uh, Oh gosh, what what is it called? The Last Stand. The Last Stand. The Last Stand. The Last Stand. Um, 
yeah, it's just an incredible fight. I mean, we talked about it last week. Um, just technically incredibly impressive, but also super intense because we know this really is the last stand that whatever happens here is going to determine <laughs> how the show ends. And we've we had already seen Cora getting her ass handed to her by Kuvira earlier in the season. So it was a really powerful, impactful fight on a number of levels. Awesome. Uh, awesome. My right, least Paul. favorite fight is anything that happened with the Swamp Benders. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, I, I, I'll give my joking least favorite fight too later. Um, okay. I don't have, I didn't think about it, but, but I have an easy one that's totally Eric, so I'll get there. There you go. So, all right, Paul. Let's do it. Favorite fights. Well, okay. Here's the thing. I have both of my answers are exactly the same as Arlo's. Uh, for Avatar, it is the Zuko. It's actually Zuko and Katara versus Azula. Um, uh, and it's for all the same reasons uh, that Arlo said. It's very operatic. The entire Sozin's Comet featured, as we've mentioned in previous episodes, it fe- was the first time they featured a full orchestra on the music, um, and it showed. The music of that entire thing was, was otherworldly, but especially like the most emotional music maybe in either series came in that fight. Uh, that's also where... Um, Azula like finally cracked. Not only did we get to see the final showdown between brother and sister that had been building up since, uh, well, since book two, um, but it it was the final like mental breakdown of Azula that had kind of started happening maybe in the chapter before. But anyways, and because it was because everybody was super powered by Sozin's Comet, some of the most extraordinary examples of firebending we have ever seen in the show. God damn it. So perfect. Um, and then my Korra, my Legend of Korra choice is the same. It's a, I actually have it down as Korra versus Kuvira round two, um, which happened in the last stand. Uh, for all the reasons that we talked about in the last chat, in, in our last episode, the, the ridiculous, uh, like, liquid metal bending stuff that was going on, the MMA fight moves by Korra, uh, the the slow motion yin-yang pose that happens. So goddamn brilliant. The And both of those fights, um, like the Zuko and Azula fight happens in a, a gigantic like arena, big, huge open space with enormous plumes of flame. And Azula is like jetting around the arena at top speed, so big and vast and open. And the fight with Korra and Kuvira is, as you talked about, Eric, um, is compact and like enclosed in tight spaces. So I love the contrast of those two fights. Now, really quickly, I just want to say, I want to throw some honorable mentions in here um, because they might be choices. Or do you want me to wait till after you give yours, Eric? You, um, let me give mine okay. and then, and then we'll do it. So, cause mine is, is weird. So first of all, my avatar choice is boringly the same thing, but it's just that good of a fight. Yeah. Um, it's, but I want to add in a thing. So it's Zuko and, um, and Azula, but, a lot of what makes this work is Katara's entrance at the end. It is like a rolling fight. Yeah. Um, Zuko and Azula's battle has, as Paul said, some of the just amazingly beautiful visuals because of the, um, the, the Sozin's Comet thing. And it feels like they made Azula's fire blue 
solely because they knew this fight was coming yes. and they wanted it to look amazing. Yeah. Um, and Godspeed, you got it right, y'all. That was um, the absolute right call. Um, it's an amazing fight. It has everything. You know, I talk about Gundam a lot and it's amazing duels. Um, this is at the top of every single duel I've ever seen in the best of Gundam. It is the best possible payoff. And then, oh man, Katara freezing Azula, you know, <laughs> At the at the peak of Azula's power with like Sozin's comet, she finds a way to beat her. Just incredible. And the best thing about it is after she freezes both of them, melting the ice just a little bit to chain Azula up yeah. is a beautiful ending. So perfect. Um, when it comes to Korra, I'll be honest, I, I couldn't do this throughout the day. Every time I thought, <laughs> and and it's not just because I love all the fights so much. It's partially because I felt like I was cheating every time I wanted to do it because. Something Korra did that Avatar didn't were these amazing overlapping fight sequences. Yeah. It wasn't just one fight. It's, you know, the ending sequence of Korra versus Kavira is amazing, but think about the intercutting of Korra versus Kavira with Mako and Bolin in the, in the engine room. Yeah. And you think about every other fight sequence and also the penultimate episodes. I mean, you talk about the, the fights, again, like the, the battle against the Colossus. It's just... Every time I started doing this, it was like, I don't know how to pick a fight because I feel like I'm picking a thread out of a, of a tapestry and it doesn't work that way. But I, I want to play fair. So I, when I say this, I'm picking something grudgingly because I don't know how <laughs> with it. Um, and I almost picked Kavira versus Korra because it's so close. And the only reason I didn't is because it's a little short for me to have grudgingly picked something. And because part of it is how it interweaves. So I went with Kavira, sorry, Korra versus Zaheer. For Venom of the Red Lotus. Yeah, yeah. Um, partially because it is a long, meaty fight. Partially because it really interestingly mirrors the Sozin's Comet battle against Ozai. Mm -hmm. With Korra and them flying amongst the mountains. And Korra literally flying with fire the way that Ozai did. And, um, and a battle that Korra should be losing. That Zaheer knows she should be losing. And for the first time for Zaheer to be on his heels... Because Korra is just, her anger is so overwhelming in this sequence. And she almost wins, despite everything. But then even after the end, her wrapping the chain around Zaheer's leg to pull him down to make sure he doesn't get away. And the, at the end of her energy is amazing. This fight is brutal. It's great. It's an astounding fight. I hate picking anything, but I picked it because I had to pick one and I didn't want to, I didn't want to cop out. So... The Korra versus Zaheer made my longer list. It wasn't one of the sort of honorable mentions I was going to throw in. I want I want to pick the weird ones as my honorable mentions, the ones that were unlikely really to make anybody's uh, top list, but I still feel like they need to be mentioned. Uh, one of those is Sokka versus Pian Dao in, in uh, Avatar oh, yeah. Book 3, Chapter 4, Sokka's Master, when he's learning how to sword fight. Um. I mean, that that was oddly uh, decompressed, or or what do I mean? Compressed? Decompressed? Whatever. That that was oddly fast-forwarded, his learning curve there, but it doesn't matter because it was brilliant to watch Sokka uh, suddenly become a good sword fighter. Um, and then Zuko versus Jet in uh, Avatar 2.14, uh, Book 2, Chapter 14, City, City of Walls and Secrets, when Jet is trying to uncover... Or like, re you know, reveal that Zuko is actually a firebender, 
and Zuko has to sword fight with him without actually hurting him. Yeah. So. And then I also had uh, uh, Korra and Asami versus the Earth Kingdom bandits. The reason that didn't get higher up on my list is because, like you said about, like Eric, you said about the Korra versus Kuvira, it was just too short. Her ta- them taking on the motorcycle gang or whatever um, was was brilliant, but it didn't last long enough for me. Yeah, I was I was bummed to not have a really long Asami fight to use because I probably would have if I had. But it's I'll, tough. I'll, I'll tell you one thing that could have ma- did it didn't make my list because it doesn't qualify as a fight. It was really it was literally just one person taking out one person, and that was I think it was in Venom of the Red Lotus or maybe the chapter before when. Uh, when Asami uses her glove to take out that one guy that was holding the airbender kids hostage. Yes. So beautiful and bro- and brutal. It deserves a place on the list. Well, thank you for talking fights with me, everyone. It was good. I love the fights. Thank you. You're a fighter, not a lover. It's true. Um, all right. So what do we would we like to see either of these series continue on television uh, or or in any okay so the comics obviously are going on uh, and and they the comics are going to continue the avatar comics are continuing uh, legend of korra is about to get its comic continuation but would we like to see either of these two series in any way continue on television or film or uh, would we like to see a brand new animated series uh, come out or do we think should just let it be do paul do you mean that assuming we don't get the much anticipated m night Shyamalan sequel <laughs> um assuming with all all fingers and toes crossed that we don't get <laughs> that continuation yes uh, and, and, i can tell you what i want okay. i can tell you what i want okay um which is if we ever could get it, I want Era 3 of the Avatarverse. I want the Avatar that follows Korra. I don't really want another TV series about it. I feel like we've gotten the end point of, of both characters in a way that the comics are the right way to take it forward because they can be smaller stories. On TV, they'd have to be bigger. But I would be all in for basically the second Avatar of this new Avatar cycle with only Korra as your previous Oh, yeah. Avatar, your previous life, and in a more future, you know, who knows what we'd be? We might be modern. At that point, we're like, what, in the 80s? 90s, <laughs> technology-wise? <laughs> right. I, that could be wild. Anyways, oh, that's man, if we if we had an animated Avatar series that had 80s music, fucking hell, man. That would That'd be, be your alley. That would be my bread and butter. So that's how I would like to see it. Otherwise, the comics are, are good for me. So long as the right people are writing it. I 100% echo Eric. I would love to see a third Avatar season set in the future after Korra. Um, but, you know, if not, I think the comics are a great, great way to continue telling stories about these characters. And uh, they've been fantastic so far. Here's a quick... Okay, uh, so boringly, I agree with both of you. Um, I, I likewise feel like each of the series ended the way it should, and I like that the comics are the continuation of those. Um, so I want a third series animated. I don't want a live action unless it was done amazingly, but I, I want another animated series with a different avatar, not a continuation of Korra. My question for you guys would be, 
Eric, you said you want like the next Avatar with only Korra as her her his or her link to the past. Um, so I guess that's your answer. But Arlo, do you would you want to see the very next Avatar, which would be Earthbending for those who are keeping track, or would you want to like jump ahead a few? I, I guess what I'm asking is what type of bender would you want the next Avatar series to be about? Hmm. I, I think I would like to see the next one. The very next uh, Earth, Earth Avatar, and, yeah. And Earthbender would be growing up in the Democratic Republic of the Earth Kingdom or yeah. whatever the hell they, yeah. they set up. And thus in the world, in the nation that um, Korra helped set into motion. That would be great. Oh my gosh, this has to happen. Well, we have a lot of pull with uh, Kanetsuka DiMartino, so let's work our connections, you guys. Yes. Let's do it. Let's do that. I, if, I like this because um, Nickelodeon can dump it like straight to crackle or whatever right from the beginning. <laughs> straight to crackle. I love it. Uh, all right. Uh, next uh, trivia and quote. Uh, where the where the hell are we? Uh, you're back to quotes uh, I'm now, a right? Quote. Okay. Yes. All right. See what the number Genie gives you. No, we've already had that number. Okay. Um, where'd my list go? Oh boy! Wow. So we are. We have a trivia, and who said it? And you don't have the list. <laughs> no, I do. I have so many notes. I have to keep scrolling up and down to get back to these things. All right, here we go. Come on, a day at the theater. This is the kind of wacky, time-wasting nonsense I've been missing. That's Sokka. There you go. Bonus Hell points. Yeah. Bonus points if you can tell me the episode. No, you don't have to. It's fine. It's the Emerald players. Yeah, it's obvious what the episode is. I don't think it is. Really? It's not? I think it's from the headband. What the shit are you talking about? Well, you got the quote right, but now I'm going to have to research. I have it written down as uh, Book 3, Chapter 2, The Headband. Um, hmm. It does sound like it should go with the Ember Island players, but at any rate, all right, you, you all, got right, the lo- all right, loser. I, give me, give me my trivia because I gotta keep ahead of Arlo here. Which we're tied again at four four. Um, okay. <coughs> oh, here we go. I don't know if you're gonna get this one. Name at least two of Mako and Bolin's cousins. I can't do that. <laughs> what the fuck is with these fucking questions, Paul? I had to come up with 30 to make it easier. They're, they're named. That's the problem is I'm never going to remember names. Any name question, you might as well just not give me. I mean, you can give it to me, but you might as well just be like, well, you're not going to get this one and chuck it. <laughs> um. Can I, I'll give you I'll give you a hint. Nope. I don't, it's not going to help, but I'll give you a hint. I don't want to hint. Well, I don't want a hint because I, I wouldn't. If I got it as a hint, I wouldn't give myself the point. So okay, Arlo, do you? What's, could you do it? Yeah. What What's your hint? The hint is that uh, this was a comedic Bolin moment. Um, like Bolin is naming people, he's naming his cousins. So we've heard a string of names that Bolin says. And it was like a joke, and we commented on it, which is why I figured that at least two of these names would possibly be memorable. I genuinely have no idea. No, okay. 
well, the scene is when they're when Mako and Bolin are saying goodbye to their family in Ba Sing Se, and they're like, well, I, "I love you guys, Chow and and Tu and Meng Meng and and Chow Junior and and there he is, Big T and and Little T and Medium U and." <laughs> Nice. So, All right. I thought Big T and Little T might have stuck with you guys somehow, but nope. Apparently not. All right. So are you tied again then? Yep, tied at four four. All right. So we talked a little bit about the the uh, graphic novels. Um, uh, should we talk about what we know about the graphic novels? Um. We, we can't, I guess, we, I guess what we should do is we should let the audience know what our plans are. Okay. Them. So our plans are, um, this is not the very last episode of the Avatar Returns. It's the last for a while because we will be coming back uh, whenever the graphic novel series puts out a new library edition, a new collected edition. So the way this works is um, the these things come out in, uh, three volumes, like three little uh, trade paperback size books uh, per story. And then uh, I think that's bi-monthly. I don't think it's back-to-back. I think it's bi-monthly, um, like every other month. And then those are collected into an annotated hardcover edition. And that's what we've been reviewing on the show, are the annotated volumes. So the plan is we're going to wait for those each time, um, unless we get impatient and change. But right now we're planning to wait. So the next thing on the docket, it looks like, is going to be the library edition collection of the next Avatar The Last Airbender volume, uh, which is North and South. Um, I think actually all three books of that are out now. We could technically do it, but we're waiting. I think they're all out, but we're waiting for the hardcover. And the release I found for that is November of this year, of 2017. So... Uh, in theory, we will be back in November to talk about North and South. Uh, now, The Legend of Korra is just about to start its first comic spinoff uh, titled Turf Wars. Turf Wars Part 1 uh, comes out. What I could find, I found some conflicting numbers, but it looks like the end of July of this year, uh, Part 1 comes out in comic shops or direct market retailers. And then in early August, it will come out at regular retailers and on Amazon. Um, but again, that's going to be three, three parts that come out before it's ever collected. So there's no telling how far in the future that's going to be before we get to talk about that. I'm, I'm super excited about the Avatar comic, obviously, but I am, I I can't wait to see what Irene Coe's art looks like for Korra. I'm really excited. She's, she's put out some, some pages, some samples to, to give an idea. And, um, I will say... It's so we've commented on how much Guri Hero uh, captures the look of the animated series in the Avatar books. Um, they specifically asked Irene Co to just do her own style to not try and mimic the art style of Legend of Korra. Now, what I've seen, I've only seen little snippets of her stuff, and I can tell you, it it's not like it looks markedly different. It's not like she has a completely alien art style or anything but it's not going to be nearly as seamless a transition i think as far as art and which is fine the most important thing is i have been she has informed everyone that there will be a korasami kiss (laughs) in the first issue so no more nickelodeon holding everyone back we're gonna get 
what everyone deserved, which is some romance for Korasami. So, mm-hmm. anyways, I'm excited. Um, I look forward to being back on, on uh, in November or December for um, Avatar. Me too. Yeah. Um. Well, crap. You want to do another trivia, or who said it? I know we're getting close to the end. Let's do it. Come on, we only have a couple left here. All right. So. I cannot fucking keep track of this to save my life. You're on... What are you on, Arlo? Quote. Quote. Yes, I'm on a quote. No, he's on trivia. He's on trivia. I just blew trivia. He's, he's on... You're on trivia now. Oh, that's right. That's right. Shit. See, we can't keep track of it, so how, how can we expect you to? Fuck. All right. I'm on trivia. Trivia. Trivia number 15. Uh, name the non-bender who kissed the moon spirit. Oh, come on. Sokka. <laughs> I gotta give the number. You guys told me to go with the number that is generated. I get, I get name, yeah. name. I get name the fuck. <laughs> I get, I get name the lemurs and name Mako and Bolin's cousins. <laughs> all right, let's just, all right. just so you know, there are there are a lot of in the trivia stuff. There's a lot of name at least two or name this character. I there was a lot of name stuff I came up with. So, all right, give me the give me the quote. Give me the quote. All right. Number ooh, lucky number thirteen. Oh shit! No, we've already rolled that one. Lucky number six. Uh, maybe you should worry less about the tides, who've already made up their mind about killing you, and worry more about me, who's still mulling it over. More worry. Oh, sorry, can you read that again? Yeah. Maybe you should worry less about the tides who've already made up their mind about killing you and worry more about me who's still mulling it over. Wow, I'm not. I am really not sure on this. Um... Wow, I have I have no idea on this one. I'm just going to go. I'm going to say Toph, which I know isn't right. Nope. Arlo? It's really, that line is really familiar. Um, Katara? <laughs> wow, you guys think Toph and Katara are badass murderers. Uh, no, it's well, just... I just, I, well, I was thinking Katara, like when she did the, um, the, the, when she was fighting the bloodbender, she got like super pissed. Yeah, that's true. Uh, no, it was Azula uh, in book two, chapter one, the Avatar State. Um, got it. It was something like the the ship's captain had slowed down and she was pissed that they were slowing down. Do you think the ocean... I don't remember how it went, but... So, it's Azula. Nice, nice. One of the early uh, uh, Zula as a murdering bitch examples that we got. Um, All right. So, uh, have you guys had any fan... Any experiences outside of this podcast with either either listeners of the podcast or fans of uh, Avatar or Korra? Like, have you, have you had conversations with friends or family? Have you been in a store and someone saw you reading the, the graphic novel and you struck up a conversation or made any new friends? Well, funny you should ask. Um, I was uh, checking out at a, the local supermarket, and as soon as I 
you know, they were like, you know, your totals, whatever. I was like, okay, let me get my card. As soon as she heard my voice, the cash register lady was like, you're one of the co-hosts of the Avatar Returns, my favorite wow. podcast. You're so full of this shit. You are so full thing. of shit. You had um, me going for a second, you bastard. <laughs> no, um, I mean, I, I've discovered, yeah, that like I, I have friends who are super into this show. I'm, I have a really good friend who's a big fan of both series. Um, I, I loaned him one of the Avatar comics, and he finally gave it back to me because he was like, "It's really good, but I'm just never going to read it." So that was like kind of disappointing. <laughs> but, uh, um, I mean, I discovered that uh, Amber, my fiance, likes Avatar. Like, she hasn't seen every episode, but she was a big fan of it when it was on. Um, yeah, so I'm, I'm, you know, I've discovered uh, that people in my life were, you know as I already knew, smarter than I am, and we're already turned on to these great shows. What about you, Eric? So, yeah, so I've had some friends who have already watched it um, who come get me into it, and I've talked to them about stuff, especially on my rewatch. Um, I think I may have mentioned this on the show. I know I've talked to you both about it, but I'll, I'll mention it in case I didn't mention it on the show. The, probably the most exciting um, thing I had is when I, you know, I, I work for a company and we have a... Um, an on-site in San Francisco once every three months. And the last on-site I was um, walking back to the office with one of my coworkers and very like, he's a very like quiet person and just sort of like halfway through what he's saying, I understood what he was saying, which is that he's, he just started watching avatar because he'd seen that I was doing this podcast and he'd never watched it. And he was really getting into it and he was listening to the episodes and really liked the episodes how you discussed it and you were making him think of things you wouldn't have thought of while watching it. Um, and it was really like, I was really touched by that, um, that he was watching the show. He was picking up a new show that he wouldn't have watched maybe otherwise and was getting something out of our discussions. And, um, so, uh, Chris, if you make it to the last episode of this, um, I really appreciate you listening. Thank you. It was, uh, it was good to get someone new into the show. That's awesome. Yeah, that is awesome. Um, so I just have, I, I'm going to mention two things. Uh, one is the reason that I finally broke down and made business cards for our various podcasts. So I recently had a gobbledygeek and avatar returns pod, uh, uh, business cards made because I kept being out like at bookstores or whatever. I just be, kept being out in the world and either buying one of the comics or s somehow mentioning like the 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 final straw was i was buying one of the comics in the bookstore and the the guy behind the counter just flipped out it was like it, clearly he wanted to have a long conversation about both shows and there was another one where i was buying some pop funkos and i just casually said yeah i wish they'd fucking make some avatar pops and that started a conversation so i've had that happen several times and every time i'm like well I clumsily try to say, well, you know, I, I do a podcast. I co-host a podcast about it if you want to listen. So that's why I made business cards. So now I can just hand them out to people. Um, but then the other one, this, I'm going to kind of cheat because we got an, a new uh, listener email. So I want to take this opportunity, if it's all right with you guys, to read a new email. Absolutely. All right. So this came in from uh, listener Tyler. Uh, he says, hey, guys, I just finished listening to episode 45 of the Avatar Returns podcast. I binge listened to it starting in March of this year, commuting to work, to and from work, and caught up to date a few weeks ago. Uh, I got the same feeling of the misery of having to wait week to week to hear you guys that I do watching shows like Game of Thrones or Westworld. 
so with that being said, you all have done a phenomenal job. I've seen both Avatar and Korra multiple times, but this was extremely enjoyable to listen to in conjunction with the TV episodes. Now I'm hooked on Gobbledygeek and going back through those episodes. Normally I wouldn't reach out, but this has been something special for me. So thanks again. Incredible job, Tyler. Damn. We got name dropped for the Game of Thrones and Westworld to runaway HBO blockbusters. <laughs> right. Wow. Thank you, Tyler. Yeah, that was uh, that was very kind. Thank you so much, Tyler, for listening and for for writing in. Um, so and hey, uh, you got you guys should keep the 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 listener mail going. So by the time we come back in uh, in what is it November? Yeah. Uh, we'll have like a like a letter bag to a mailbag to read from. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. If any of you have made it through this Magnolia length episode to the point where we're asking <laughs> you to email in, please email in. We would love it. Oh man. All right. So I, this I guess is, this is so self-indulgent. I don't care. We've, we earned this episode. This is like the most self-indulgent thing we could be doing. And it makes me really happy. I, I wasn't that worried about it. Cause we're not look, talking about episodes. So look, Paul and I did a three hour therapy episode of gobbledygeek earlier this year. We are no strangers to self-indulgence, which my therapist is about to listen to. That's that, that requires a whole other therapy episode. It does. But it does. Uh, uh, yeah. please continue. Uh, all right. So in honor of Tyler, I think uh, I think he should answer the next trivia and quote question. But um, you guys can be his proxies, I guess. So. All right. Let's do it. I'll do this one more time. Um, so Arlo, you are on quote now, correct? Yeah. And this is this is the final round. Uh, is it? Yeah, Arlo can win this. If Arlo gets this, it's over. Okay. Okay, so so please remind me what the score is. It's 5-4. Sweet. Okay, let's do this. Okay. Drumroll, please. Number five. All right. You're so beautiful when you hate the world. Oh, that's, um, that's Zuko. There you go. Ding, ding, ding. He was saying that about May. Yes. Uh, Arlo, Arlo wins, but I'm going to do mine to see what I get anyways. <laughs> okay. Oh, oh, does that... So he's out of reach now, huh? All right. Yeah, I can't possibly win this. That's okay. I win. I win. I... <laughs> I, I, I earthbent Eric Civil right into the goddamn ground. This is the best possible way to end this podcast. I am, like, super excited right now. I got the I, question I about what non-bender kissed the moon spirit. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. Here we go. Uh, final simple question. Generator number 22. Okay. Oh, fuck. This is a good one for you, Eric. I should give you two points for that. <laughs> so here we go. Name at least three examples. You love these. Name at least three examples of kaiju-style battles. Three. Okay, actually, no, that's good. I can do three. Um, so we have Aang, um, empowered by the moon spirit, crushing the uh, boats of the Fire Nation. Yep, as the giant have... or whatever. We have. I'm. I'm assuming that when you bring this up, that um, that the um, Colossus counts as a kaiju style battle, even though it's really a Jaeger battle. If you yeah, want to not yeah. accept that, I, I know that's why I, I originally had written kaiju, and then I was like, wait, no, the Colossus isn't a kaiju, so it should that's, be kaiju but style. But it's still it's, it's a giant. You know, it's yeah. Mechagodzilla. It works. And yeah. then obviously, um, 
uh, Unavatu versus um, uh, Kor- Korada. I don't even know what you call it, but whatever. Um, anyways, there's Kor- that. Korava. Or... There you go. Anyways, there you go. Grill. There you go. Well, there you go. Um, if you could name the, I actually have four written down. That's why I said name at least three. Wait, there's four. There, there, four? there are four. Now Hold remember, on, is this is this only in the animated series? We're not counting the comics here. No, I've been counting comics along with the stuff. Shit. Okay, is there is there a comic thing that that has this? Um, if you get this, I'll consider it tied. I don't think I'm going to get this, but let me let me buzz through the series here. Tyler is sitting at home right now, and he knows the answer. Tyler probably does know the answer. Um, yeah, I, I'll be honest. I can't. I I cannot think of of another giant person battle. I'm I'm out. That's it. Uh, Arlo, can you remember? Uh, shit, wasn't it in um the the search with the giant face god thing? Uh, that was not the one that I had written down, but you know, technically, I suppose that could count too. I hadn't even thought of that. I'm trying to remember if they actually fought her. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not sure. What, what did you have? The one I had written down was, uh, General Old Iron from the Rift. Oh, oh, that's right. You guys remember that? Um, yeah, nice. Okay. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Okay. Okay. All right. Cool. Well, um, congratulations, Arlo. You've you've grown by leaps and bounds over the course of this podcast. You won the the trivia and quote challenge. I am not going to lie, pretty pleased with myself right now. <laughs> okay, this so... whole thing was worth it just to beat Eric. <laughs> there you uh. go. Every subsequent podcast he appears on with us, no matter what the show or subject, I will remind him of his crippling defeat at my hands. <laughs> uh, I'm glad I could build future memories for you. What, what is what does Batman say to Superman in the Dark Knight Returns? Like every day you're going to wake up knowing that I beat you or, or something like that. <laughs> sure. Um, okay. All right. So the last thing, the last question that I have, uh, is we, we dipped our toes into this conversation a couple times over the course of the podcast. I think we had high, you know, lofty plans of doing this at the end of every book. Maybe uh, we, we weren't quite that consistent, but a couple of times we discussed what kind based on what we had seen so far of the show, what kind of bender did we think we would want to be? So here, at the end of all things, I think it's appropriate that uh, we go out by talking about what kind of bender we think that we would be or would want to be. Do you have our original answers? Oh, shit. Um, I don't, but I feel like... You went back to see which one of us made a Buffy reference first, but you didn't get our original answers? No, I only got that because I just coincidentally listened to the first episode again. Whatever. <laughs> and it was Whatever. in there. We we I did not re-listen to all 45 episodes of this podcast. Only a lunatic would do that. Uh, I'm kidding. If you are at home, please go back and listen to all 45 episodes. You are not a lunatic. We love you. You're a failure, Paul. Um, okay, so I cannot remember what I said originally, but I think now I would say that I, I think I'm most like an earthbender, 
One, because earthbending is, like, super cool. Maybe the coolest looking of all the bending styles. Not because I'm super cool, but because I think of all the characters, I relate most to Bolin. Yeah. Kind of like a, a sweet, funny idiot who hopefully one day will realize his true badass potential. <laughs> so that's uh, that, that's my answer. Well, that's appropriate since, uh, since Eric so graciously dubbed you the show's version of Bolin, like this podcast version of Bolin. That, that's true. That's that was, true. That was literally the kindest thing Eric has ever said about you. Also true. Eric, have you got an answer for this one? I do. I'm going to be a little more specific, which is that I am, I want to be a Zaofu metal bender, a Zaofu Spider-Man style metal bender. I want the cables Mm-hmm. And I, you know, it was never like metal bending seems cool, cool, like it's tough, whatever. But man, when I when you watch them use those cables, like the the um the twins of um Suyin winging each like one winging winging way, yeah. winging way, one grabbing the other one's cord and pulling them to them, um swinging up on things. I don't know, can't get enough of it. The metal bender, the Zafu metal benders, and if I got bored. I could always swing towards um, Kavira's uniform that is actually a weapon style of metal bending too. So there's just a lot of options. So a Zaofu metal bender is what I would want to be. Nice. So that makes you, so, I mean, technically you're both earthbenders there. Yeah, we are. We are. I'm uncomfortable Uh, with that. (laughs) Well, I would say my, my adoration of Bolin makes me wish that I had picked earthbending because I really, I, I want to be the, the adorable sweetheart earthbender like Bolin, but I have to stick. I don't remember what all of my previous answers were. I know I've given this answer at least once before, so I'm, I'm sticking with or going back to it, whichever is appropriate. Um, and I think that I would like to be an airbender and it's specifically, you're right. Earthbending is super cool. Uh, the metal bending is super cool. Um, if, if I thought that I could ever be a badass, I would say, yes, I definitely want to be an earthbender. But um, I, <laughs> every day I pray for the peace and serenity that seems to be part of sort of the airbender nomad Zen lifestyle, at least in a pre-Kuvera world. Um, so, yeah, that's where I, I would like to someday end up. I, I want to study under Tenzin. I mean, I don't really, because I think he's a terrible teacher. But I want to, I want to live on Airbender Island and 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 be be an Airbender. I want to fly around in a, in an X Men Airbender suit. Nice. I, I, I can it. see you in spandex. <laughs> Arlo, I have your Paul. I have your first your first task if you want to become an Airbender. Okay. And that is to really get into the mindset of the old Airbenders. You should cut together a fan video. Of Zaheer set to I believe I can fly. <laughs> I'll see what I can do. Shit, that's probably been done too. Everything has been done, but I'm gonna guess no one's done it. But the Space Jam, um, Cora <laughs> uh, mashup that that would make would be beautiful. If you could do that, I believe you would find the void within yourself to fly. <laughs> <laughs> beautiful. Uh, all right, so. Guys, shit, man. I think that's it. I think, 
uh, 12 hours in or however the fuck long we've been going, I think, I think we're done. So, yeah. Um, any, any closing thoughts before I, I put a pin in this? I mean, again, I'm just so grateful that I got to do this, not just because I was introduced to two shows that I love, but that I got to uh, podcast every week with uh two guys that I love. Um, I mean, I, I know that I podcast all the time with Paul and Eric has been on a bunch of episodes of Gobbledy Geek, but it was really, really nice. And, and plus, of course, we collaborated on the Delhi Counter of Justice, now available on Amazon.com, $13.99 in paperback, $6.99 in Kindle. Uh, please buy it. Um, but um, so obviously we've been collaborating for years now, but it was really great to have this, you know, two to three to four to five hours every week to just talk about these two shows and really dig deep into them. And I think we had a lot of fun. I think we learned a lot and there was only like slight maiming. Um, so I, I think it was a big success. I think we've all come out of it more or less intact. I would agree with that. Yeah, yeah it was... This has been a hell of a ride. You know, I, I really like this. This podcast has come to mean an awful lot to me more than I really realized until we were getting near the end. It's been it's been great. It's been great. It's so great that we've done like a four hour rap podcast just because I don't think we want to let it go. So, um, yeah, this has been this. I feel like we was it was a great experience. And based on, you know, what people who've been getting something out of it makes me feel like we had interesting conversations, which you never can guarantee when you go into these. You might just be having conversations you like to have, which is worth doing. But, um, yeah, Um, thank you, both of you. And thank you to everyone who listened to us babble about the show for 598 days or however long it was well now it's 598 but when we started <laughs> recording tonight it was 585 okay <laughs> um all right so uh, uh so paul before you pull the plug i think we have an announcement to make yeah i was just going to ask if if we want to make that announcement officially here do you, you want to uh, yeah i think so i mean this is something that we've mentioned many times in the past and i think both of us have mentioned it on social media um you know, towards sort of tentatively to let people know and to try to get some feedback. But I want to make the official announcement here that Paul and I, uh, so obviously we're going to continue recording Gobbledy Geek uh, each week, more or less. Um, but we're going to take a few months off from having a second podcast, but we will have a second podcast again. this sep- Beginning this September, we, uh, Gobbledy Geek Productions, is proud to announce Conversations with Dead People, a Buffy and Angel podcast. Um, That's right. We've been threatening to do this for quite a long time, but Paul and I have committed to uh, rewatching and discussing in detail every single episode of Joss Whedon's uh, beloved cult TV series, Buffy the Vampire Slayer and Angel. Um, yeah, I, I'm super excited for this. I may have mentioned before that Buffy is my favorite thing on planet Earth. Um, so I'm I'm very excited to get to talk about uh, this stuff in detail. Unlike this show, there won't be any regular third host. Um, but I, I do want to assure everyone that if you're if you've never seen Buffy and you're like, 
while these guys did an Avatar podcast and I liked it, I'd love to to watch along. We there will only be spoilers, just like this show. There will only be spoilers in each episode up through the episodes we're discussing. Paul and I will hopefully be able to provide an informed opinion and maybe hint at things that will happen and point out things along the way that illuminate those forthcoming events, but no spoilers, so it'll be safe for newbies. And we are looking uh, for, for, for guests. We want to have on as many people, um, as many Buffy and Angel fans of as many stripes as possible that we can get on the show, whether they're in academia or if you're just somebody who loves the shows and has never been on a podcast before, we're open to everything. And uh, we already plan on having Eric come back for, for who knows how many episodes. But uh, uh, yeah, so again, that's Conversations with Dead People, a Buffy and Angel podcast. You can follow us. There's nothing there yet. But you can follow us on Twitter at Cons with Dead, C-O-N-S with Dead. And find us on Facebook, uh, facebook.com slash conswithdead. Uh, there will be more info there, hopefully some some art uh, pretty soon. But, yeah, you've got four months until we are back discussing Buffy and Angel. I cannot wait. This has been, guys, you don't even know. This has been Arlo's dream project for, like, as long as I've been doing podcasts with him. So Yeah, you're, you're, you're not wrong. <laughs> <laughs> I think everything we've done up to this point has been uh, just practice <laughs> so yeah. that we could do uh, the Buffy thing the way it deserves to be done. Oh, thanks, you <laughs> assholes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, I didn't mean this one. No, 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 not at all. Oh, okay. I mean, okay. this podcast sucked, but... No, this podcast was my dream project, and I'm so happy that we did it. Arlo, we drug Arlo kicking and screaming into this because he just wanted to do Buffy. So it's true. Yeah. But anyways, yeah, September, take a long, a long, deep breath and, and prepare yourselves. So anyways, as for this crazy show, um, on behalf of myself, Eric and Arlo, I, I really, I would just like to truly thank each and every one of our listeners, uh, whether you've written in or not, uh, we started this podcast for ourselves because we're selfish and we just like the sound of our own voices, but, uh, it's, it really has been tremendous, a tremendous thrill to, to learn, um, that so many people have been listening, listening along with us. I encourage you all to keep listening, uh, go back, rewatch the show, take us along with you, um, tell your friends and family about us, whether they're fans already and they just, you know, need some commentary to go along with it. Um, or if they've never seen an episode before and are looking for, you know, someone to kind of walk with them along the way. Uh, this podcast is not going anywhere. These episodes are always going to be here. Um, as we said, you know, we do plan to return with brand new episodes whenever a collected edition of the comics comes out. You'll find all of those episodes as well as all of our past episodes at the website, theavatarreturns.com. Links will also be posted on our parent show's site, gobbledygeekpodcast.com. Uh, you can also still subscribe to the show in iTunes to make sure you don't miss those new episodes as they come out. Uh, while you're there, please do us a huge favor and rate us or write us a review. Uh, that helps spread the word. If you'd like to contact us, and I would very much like you to contact us, please send your correspondence, care of Monkey Yahtzee, to tarpodcast at gmail.com. Uh, and of course, you'll always be able to find us on social media, facebook.com slash theavatarreturns. 
or twitter.com slash T-A-R podcast. And on Twitter, I'm at Haunt1013. Eric is at Salon, that's S-A-A-L-O-N. And Arlo is at Unplugged Crazy. Um, this is where I would say what's coming up next week. Sadly, nothing is coming up next week. So one last time, Eric, Arlo, I love both of you. Thank you so much for playing this game with me. Yeah, thanks for dragging me kicking and screaming uh, into this project with you. Yep, thanks. Thanks, Twinkle Toes. <laughs> My pleasure. So until next time, I really think there's only one way to close this out. Please remember... My cabbages! Mm-hmm.